Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Solo BG Podcast. My name is Derek and like always, well, you're welcome to another episode. I'm very happy that you are here with us for another another episode. This is episode number 70. It's the special one and because of that, I'm going to share with you one of those mythic and lost in the time episodes. That's right. You know I was looking forward for this episode for so long and I actually spoiled you several times that on the episode number 70 we were going to have a very special guest and we do because this is a sort of a long episode but also one that I enjoy a lot to record. Where you're going to where you're about to listen it's an interview that it was recorded on the month of July of 2020, not too long ago. And it's with my friend, as you read it on the title, Michael Kelly from One Stop Cop Shop. And he also is the designer of various games such as Salvation Road, where we're going to talk about the game a little bit uh, during the episode. I got a copy for myself. I, I have been playing the game and it's very unique for sure. So anyway... During this interview, we talked about life, you know, we talked about the uh, content creator, uh, you know, aspect of life, I guess, from his uh, point of view. We also talk about Kickstarters, about games, of course, about the whole situation around the world, uh, you know, with the, with the, uh, COVID-19. Uh, we talk about many, many, many things, like which Kickstarters, you know, it's, it's good to jump in, which ones are not. The uh, companies, the big industries right now on, the, on this hobby, uh, a lot of things. We talk about a lot of things. This interview, though, was recorded through Skype. So, um, you know, the probably the quality of the audio is not the best one, but I think it's still enjoyable. I hope you enjoy it as well. As always, I try to put an episode without any editing. In that way, you get just the experience and the feeling like if you were with us around the table and talking and all that stuff. Um, so I didn't edit anything at all. So I apologize if something comes up. It's just without editing. It's like live, you know, it was recorded, but it's live. Uh, so, so yeah, there is episode number 70. I'm very, very, very proud of you, amazing listeners, because you have made this possible of me making it this far of 70 episodes. It's it's great. Actually, on this month of September 2020 uh, is the second anniversary of Solo BG Podcast, and I'm so, so happy that you know that we all are a part of this and that this podcast uh, even if this is your first time or this is your 70 time or this is your 50 time or whatever it is uh you know I'm very happy that we have been being able to you know to um, grow together in this hobby especially on on this small niche of solo board gamers anyway I'm not going to talk any further. Just thank you so much for these 70 episodes. It has been a cool and amazing and unique experience for sure. And I'm looking forward to do many, many, many more episodes. Uh, you know, keep going with the, th the time. Uh, make sure that this project gets, uh, you know, upgrading and gets, keeps getting bigger with more games, with more giveaways, uh, you know, trying to reach out to more uh, content creators and designers and stuff and to you amazing listeners why not my my doors are always open for you because this belongs to you so if at some point you want to be in the ep in one episode or on the show please reach out to me to solo bg podcast at gmail.com or remember that you can follow us in our social media at solo bg podcast on facebook instagram and twitter 
And remember that I also have a podcast in Spanish called Solo BG Podcast in Español. So there you go. I don't want to bore you anymore with the same that you probably have listened before. So here is for you episode number 70 Solo BG Podcast interview with Michael Kelly from One Stop Hop Shop. And let's start, like always, in three, two, one. Welcome to Solo BG, your podcast for solo and cooperative board games. Here you will find everything you need to know about your favorite and most recent games. Art, rules, gameplays, and interviews. Here is your host, Derek Rodriguez. So, okay, my friends, like I told you in the introduction, I'm super, super happy and excited because Michael Kelly is here with us finally. I've been spoiling you too much in the previous episodes. Michael, how are you tonight? I'm doing wonderful, Derek. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Very happy to have you here on the show. Uh, you know, I've been mentioning on the past, my friends, and Michael, of course, that you are a very, very popular person around <laughs> the, uh, content creation of solo games and cooperative games. I have plenty of friends that they go through your videos to, you know, for reviews, for playthroughs. I do it myself as well. And we're going to talk about your YouTube channel in a little bit, but um, I'm very happy that you're here because you are. You are a very popular person around, and you're probably, I would say, uh, on the top of those, and you know, five list of content creators for solo board games around. Yeah, how do you feel about that? I mean, it's uh, <laughs> not how I would ever describe myself, but it's it's very nice to hear. Yeah, I um, was everything over there. Where are you located? I'm I'm outside of uh, Washington D.C. in Maryland, just like a little bit north of the uh, the city limits. Okay, okay. And how is yeah, everything? Yeah, I mean, uh, so thing, things are going okay. Year, you know, of 2020 with. The, <laughs> Weird things are happening. <laughs> yeah, well, for, for you too with your job, and then I'm a uh, I'm a high school teacher in my regular hours, so so things have been definitely chaotic. But yeah, but I'm doing okay. I'm, I feel like I'm actually producing more content because I'm just at home more. Although uh, it's all at night because my kids are always around, and <laughs> it's hard to record anything while they're. Kind yeah, of it's good because you thing, know, you know? I mean, you have keep us busy, you know, with a lot of content, which is great. Uh, and I guess this is, is this tricky part of that we call ourselves. Uh, I don't call myself a content creator, but you know, you guys, the famous ones and the most popular ones, you call yourself <laughs> content creators. And We're it's all a content creators, man. <laughs> it's a very important context, you know, in these times because, like I said, in this weird and unique year where we, uh, unfortunately, we have been in our homes and taking care of ourselves and 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 our loved ones. I mean, this is what for most of the board gamers that you know in, around the world keeps them busy and keeps them motivated when they see amazing videos. Uh, like on your channel, when they see your playthroughs, when they see your reviews, and you know, I myself, I've been, I think I've been spending more money on board games during this time than before because, you know, besides in my situation, besides going to work, it's coming home and that's it, right? So it's either playing uh, solo games mostly or uh, playing with my wife, which, she, which little by little she's starting to become a, you know, a more heavy board gamer, but. That's We're going to get to as well. But, Michael, before we keep talking about this amazing universe, I want to know you. We want to know Michael. Who is Michael? Uh, you know, tell us about yourself. We know that you live on DC. We know, of course, that you are uh, the, the one that comes in that amazing channel, uh, One Stop Co-op Co Shop, and we're going to talk about your podcast as well. But first, who is Michael? 
And let's start with, you know, with your gaming experience. At what, at what uh, age you start to play and all those sort of things. So go for sure. it. The microphone is yours. Oh, man. All right. So I'm uh, the youngest of uh, five brothers. And my two of my older brothers were really into, like, RPGs and, um, and early anime shows coming over from Japan, like, in the 80s. You know, like, they would watch all the uh, – they would go to the – remember when there were vhs like rental stores they would go and rent the vhs's and watch them with subtitles and everything um so early on i was uh mostly interested in rpgs just kind of watching them and being jealous of them and wanting to participate in like their activity so i used to go to you know we had a local friendly uh, game store and i would pretty much just walk around the rpg section but they also had board games like they had you know the uh i don't know avalon hill and they had uh Oh man, who did? Uh, who does like Munch, like Steve Jackson, like all that kind of stuff? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but I didn't really get heavily into that, so I was kind of familiar with the the hobby market mostly from the P, uh, RPG side. But then, um, I guess in my sophomore year, maybe junior year of high school, okay, a uh, a game store opened like across the street from my high school, like oh, <laughs> ideal situation, um, and. We actually, it was before that. It was before I was in high school. So I was already going there before I went to high school. And it was right around when, like, Magic getting big. So I got into Magic for a while. Um, and then, like, other uh, CCGs, like uh, Legend of the Five Ring, the original version, and the old Netrunner, and uh, Vampire, Jihad, Vampire the Masquerade, whatever it was called back then. The so I kind of went from, like, <laughs> sorry, go ahead, Derek, what did you say? The good stuff, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, the good stuff, not good for my wallet, you know, not that I had a wallet back then, but <laughs> not good for my parents' uh, bank account. Um, yeah, so it was, like, kind of RPGs, then CCGs, but then in high school, when I was so close to the store, I got my first job there. So the first okay. job I ever had was uh, in a game store, like, helping to stock shelves and teach people games. Oh, nice. So that's what really got me, like, into the full hobby side. Like, I had to suddenly learn all these board games, and I was like, oh, these are awesome. So... I introduced all my friends to them. Like, that became the main pastime of, like, my uh, main friend group. Like, well, kind of, like, video games and board games mixed, you know? Yeah. Um, and then didn't get... I, I kind of dropped off from it some in college. Like, none of my friends were really into board games, and I was very worried about being cool. You know how that is, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, after college, um, I guess I was living in... A, in, like, a crappy apartment, uh, you know, outside of D.C. again. And mm-hmm. I found a gaming store nearby, and I was, like, living alone, so I uh, I kind of used that to pass the time some. And actually, uh, this kind of bridges into my design work, but I mm-hmm. found this store, we like... Don't spoil it oh, yet. We're oh, going to talk about it. <laughs> well, it's just, I, I won't get... Into much... That. But basically, uh, um... Yeah, I was saying, uh, in, in going to the store that I, I found uh, near my apartment, um, I happened to meet the guy who ended up becoming, like, my main design partner. And we okay. started having weekly game nights. And with that, you know, th- since then, I've basically been a regular gamer, like, all the time. But I had kind of on moments and off moments. But, yeah, that's sort of the history of how I got into this whole crazy thing. And what about the the history when you got into solo games? Because, you know, uh, it, it's very... Let, let's say that... the I don't know. It's, people around the world still call the board game a small niche of people, right? Like yeah. only a few. We're the uniques and the weird ones and the few ones around the world. <laughs> but then when yeah. you go to conventions like Gen Con or Essen and you see all these big crowds of, 
and these crazy numbers of uh, almost a hundred thousand people and whatever, then to, that's when you start to think like, well, we're not that just a small group of people. I mean, we're a bunch of people around the world, but definitely for better or for worse, which I think is for better, the solo board gaming aspect of it, it's keep, it, it has been growing on the last, uh, I don't know, a couple of years, right? Uh, and But it's, it's still, I feel like it's still like weird. You know, I still have a, a lot of friends that I get together with them to play, and a lot of them, they don't play solo. And there's yeah. still that taboo or, or you know, that weird concept of, oh, solo board gamer, I mean, that's weird. I'd much rather play a video game, or I'd much rather do other things than actually rolling some dice or building some deck, uh, you know, by yourself. But when did you start to play solo board games? What, how, how did you fall into that category? And like, oh, you know what? This is cool. This is probably better than video games, and I like it. So I think I've actually been reflecting on this recently because, like, I'm thinking about doing a uh, top war game video on the channel, and most what? of my solo... Uh, most of my solo gaming was war games when I was doing it, which was probably like right outside of college is when I was getting. Okay. Um, but then I wasn't playing games that were like true solo. I was, uh, I was like playing both sides of like okay. uh, Columbia block games or like combat commander. Um, and just like kind of pining for how nice it would be to have an actual <laughs> opponent to play with. <laughs> um, so it's not like I was judging people who played solo games. I just wasn't really, like, aware of the fact that there were, even back then, there were a good number of, like, really great solo games. I just didn't know they existed, and I didn't know where to find them. Yeah. Um, but definitely, when I got, like, back into board games, kind of after that period, it was mostly uh, competitive and cooperative, and I almost never played solo. Um, okay. So it's only, I mean, honestly, with the... I've never played a fraction as much solo gaming as I have since the joining the YouTube channel. Okay. You know, that's really what, what jump started it for me. Um, but I've always been a huge video game player. And for me, there's no real difference, you know, like you are enjoying a game that has opposition and whether I have to manually move the opposition myself or whether a, you know, computer program is handling it for me. Like I've, I've never, uh, I mean, I guess I can understand it because I try to understand people. I've never like, really seen the point yeah. of, of judging or being like, oh, that's weird. It's like, what, we're all just we're moving random stuff on a board and yeah, pretending yeah. that it's like important, you know? It's all, and do, it's you have all, any, like, do you have any particular uh, retool or something? Like when you play uh, solo games, uh, what do you do? For example, when let's say you, you decide to bring a game to the table. And let's not, let's say, let's talk about genre. Let's say you want to build, uh, you want to play, a fantasy game, uh, no matter what is the mechanic, it doesn't matter if it's the building, what do you do? Like, you just put it on the table and start to talk to yourself? Or do you usually uh, record um, for most of your games? Or what do you do? Do you have any particular ritual that you use where you're playing to get that excitement or that atmosphere surrounding you? Yeah, and I, I'm, you know, not, immersing the game? Yeah, not really. Um, like I'll I'll sometimes play music when I'm okay. playing like games with groups, but I've never I I don't think I've ever put on music like while I was playing a game. Um, oh, to do it is the best. It is the best. Yeah, no, no, I I I I've enjoyed it when I've done it in groups. So I don't know why I haven't done it solo. Um, <laughs> except maybe for the fact that I'm usually playing solo at like nine o'clock when my kids are asleep, so I'm maybe worried about the sound. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I I don't know I. The thing is, I gravitate towards thematic games and, like, what might be called Ameritrash games a lot. But mm -hmm. as a game designer and as a reviewer, my focus is almost always 
like laser point on the mechanics. Okay. Um, so I'm the kind of guy that starts like not seeing the art and starts not reading the flavor text. You know, for most games, if it's like a narrative game, of course I'm reading the flavor text. Sure. Um, and I just like kind of go through the mechanics and really get into the the thought process and the choices I'm making. Okay. Um, yeah. So I guess I'm not as like focused on the experience as uh, some other gamers might be. But do you think this is the this is the Michael uh, designing? side right the one that is going more towards that than the than the gamer because i mean i understand and honestly when i talk to to uh, other amazing designers out there like for example the Salder brothers yeah. uh, located <laughs> here in indianapolis um you know like when i talk to them or the times that i've been talking to them it seems like when we when we're playing games they really focus on um on that designing part of it and like okay this work this doesn't work this is balanced it's not balanced and this and that versus uh, for example, somebody like me that I've been saying this on multiple uh, occasions that when I play a game, I have different playlists for all my different games. Like if I'm playing a survival game, I have my playlist of Sunday on Spotify. <laughs> Sorry for the advertising. And I just put it there and I let myself immerse and that's it. Um, you know, on, unless something happened on the house, well, then I had to stop. But um, unfortunately, that's not a big problem right now because we don't have kids yet. Uh, but the same if if I'm playing a fantasy game, I bring my Lord of the Rings soundtrack and I play it and yeah, I yeah. let myself go into. And this uh, this is interesting because you 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 mentioned something important. You mentioned something about looking at the mechanics more than the 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 theme, but at the same time you like the theme. So what are the what are the do's and not to do's uh, for a solo board gamer like? Um, especially right now with Kickstarter, you know, like we see a bunch of projects around, a bunch of projects. And I feel like uh, Kickstarter is a great way of business. Of course, I mean, you have projects that they found more than a million dollars. Yeah. But also I feel like I don't know too much about Kickstarters. I'm pretty sure you know way more than me as a designer. (laughs) But I feel like um, one of the important things here is to have a great graphic designer for a Kickstarter to work. Because... But you, what you're getting is just pictures, and that's it. And some, I'm pretty sure that there's a lot of folks like me, or I hope there's a few folks like me, but I, I'm pretty sure there's a lot of folks like me, unfortunately, that we just go for how it looks, the theme, and we don't care to download their rule book. We don't care to anything else. And we just all in $150, $200, and that's it. <laughs> so right. from the point of view, uh, from your point of view, of course, as a reviewer, as a content creator, as a solo gamer, and as a designer, what do you think about Kickstarter, and what are your uh, advices on the to-dos and not to-do when you're backing a game? Oh, man. Um, I mean, I'll start with your, your last point, the, the advice. And honestly, like, my, I, I don't really have advice because <laughs> gamers appreciate things so differently. And, you know, what you just said, like, decide, like this looks cool. I like this theme. I like the, the narrative stuff they've shared. You know, like, whatever. I'm going to back it for $300. Like, that's fine. And the thing is, like, that's not even a bad policy, especially if you're somebody who doesn't mind keeping a ton of games or um, doesn't mind going through the aftermarket to sell something. Because probably if you go all in for some crazy game and then you hate it, you can probably get back most of your money or that, make a profit, you know what I mean, depending yeah. on which company it is. Um, unless the game, like, completely tanks, you know, like a few of the Sun ones have and that kind of thing, like where nobody wants it, nobody wants to touch it. But usually you'll be okay. Um, personally, I actually just made, like, a whole post about this on Facebook. 
um, and got a lot of different opinions because people have different opinions and none of them are wrong. It's just whatever you want to do. Um, yeah. yeah, at this point, I will not back anything on Kickstarter unless I have uh, played it personally or like worst case scenario, fully read the rule book and uh, watch like a full playthrough. Um, so if they just have like a preview, especially a paid preview where I don't really know if it's a person's honest opinion entirely and they don't have a complete rule book or they throw up like some, you know, not really well done, not really, uh, really carefully done rule book in the last like week of the campaign. All those are red flags for me. I'm like, no, nah, I'm not doing this. I'm not going to spend money. Um, I will say actually with uh, kind of COVID and the crisis we're currently in, so many great Kickstarters have had uh, demos on Tabletop Simulator, on uh, Tabletopia, um, on Board Game Arena, and or, or they have a print in place. So you can just try it out yourself, you know, and I think that's a great uh, trend personally. And like you said, a lot of people aren't going to do it, and that's fine. You know, do whatever you want. But somebody like me who um, I like to keep my collection very low. Like right now I'm at about 80 or 90 because I'm a reviewer and I get stuff. Um, but I'd rather be around like 50 or 60. Like that's kind of my idea. Wow. That's a small number. I, I, know, I know, man. I know. Cause everyone else in my board game group is like in the three hundreds. You know? <laughs> <laughs> that's um, me. But yeah, but yeah, like I, I'm a very active color, you know, I don't keep a game if it's not really something special to me generally, or I can't see myself playing it a bunch. Um, and again, no judgment for anybody else. Do, do whatever you want with your own hobby. Uh, but with all that being said, if I can't play the game or at least see a complete playthrough by someone I have some trust for that I think is objective, then personally I don't want to risk my money because there's a billion games I haven't played that are currently available that I can like go try a demo of or see like 50 reviews of right now. Um, now, in terms of my opinion about Kickstarter... We funded two of our designs on Kickstarter. We fully expect to have more of our designs on Kickstarter in the future. Um, I think Kickstarter is beautiful in a lot of ways. And it's sort of, you know, a lot of people like the original intent of Kickstarter is to have the small creators, the small publishers give their games a chance. And that's my favorite thing. You know, neither of the, uh, the publishers we worked with for our two games were like mammoths in the industry. I mean, one of them was Van Ryder Games, and they're, they're much bigger now. But when we worked with them, I think AJ had done, like, three games, you know, <laughs> like Hostage yeah. Negotiator, maybe, like, one other thing. Yeah. Um, so I, I love that it gives the chance, not just for small publishers to get games out, but also, like, really niche things, you know, like, hey, I want to make a game about, you know, saloons in the 1700s. And somebody's like, yeah, I love that. I don't know if there were saloons. That's a bad example. Um, <laughs> you know? I mean, it's, but, it's a weird example, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, you know, it's like something that like yeah. you can find an audience for. And it's like, maybe you only print a hundred copies, but you get your dream out there and it never would have happened in the past, you know? Yeah, sure. That's awesome. Um, but I'm not like, I'm not somebody who hates uh, the huge publishers. Like, it's not my favorite thing. I, I don't like that they eat up a lot of the space on Kickstarter and like they get the most attention. But, you know, whatever. I know... It, the biggest board game company is still drastically small compared to like actual big companies in the world. You know what I mean? So yeah. none of them are like these mammoth industry crushers that will never have to worry about their bottom line. So if they can guarantee that this game is going to, I'm going to print the right number of copies for this game because I know I have guaranteed buyers for it. And Maybe they get a nice into it. Maybe they get to make some decisions for it. Maybe they like feel invested in it. They get some extra bonuses, some cool stuff. They get some exclusivity. 
Like, I'm like, that. that's all fine. You know, it's all part of capitalism. It's not the way that I would probably ever prefer to do my games. But I, I don't want to judge them, you know, like, whatever. I, I think if, if people are getting games they enjoy in the end, you know, what else are we going for? <laughs> that's what yeah, matters, and, right? And I feel like, like, this is my opinion too, right? I feel like Kickstarter has become more of a pre-order, um, you know, platform, sure. uh, unfortunately. And it is weird because as a gamer, of course, and once again, I don't call myself a content creator because I'm not there yet, but, um, you know, uh, which, by the way, this is episode number 70, my friends. You know that I said that in the introduction. If you haven't listened to the previous ones, go and back and listen after this one <laughs> because this one is awesome and it's going great. But anyway, <laughs> I feel like, um, the platform right now is more of a pre-order thing. And, you know, I'm pretty sure you are aware uh, when you were talking about your post on Facebook. Yes, I remember reading it because if you don't follow Michael Kelly on Facebook and Twitter, please do. And Instagram, and he's going to share all his social well, I'm, I'm media. Not, I'm, I'm, I'm not much of a social media person. I think I'm no, just well, on Facebook right now. Yeah, I'm following him on TikTok and all that stuff. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> you saw oh, yeah, I, I did a dance video yesterday, man. It's, it's fire. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, it has become more like a pre-order platform. And I was saying, there's right now, for example, I will, I will throw an example right now. I'm pretty sure you, we were talking between the lines about this big company. We're talking, I, I'm going to say it, Simon, right? Cool Mini or not. And um, there's a lot of controversy because I myself, once again, blindly, completely blindly, <laughs> because that's a mistake that I do. I just buy games blindly. I back Kickstarter like, oh, look at the theme, whatever. I like it. Boom. That's it. Um, and we will talk about another Kickstarter in a little bit. But they just did a game uh, as well to get with Spin Masters game, Steam Sp- Spin Masters Polish or something. Yeah, Marvel, and I'm talking yeah, about the Marvel right. game, the one with the cool minis that they look like cartoons and everything, yeah. almost like Funko Pops. And um, a lot of adver- advertising here. But anyway, um, <laughs> they just, you know, they did that Kickstarter. And then a little bit the, after the Kickstarter was done, they announced, hey, you know what? This game is going to uh, be released before the Kickstarter, this and that. But if you want your money back, you can get it. Uh, then it happens, and I'm pretty sure you were aware, like last week, uh, another content creator, uh, Tom Basil, he posted a picture holding the game from Walmart. And people start to go crazy about it. And everybody's like, you know, I hate Simon and this and that, they, why they're here and whatever. So then you have all these mixed feelings, um, you know, around, I guess, the hobby and around the solo gamers and, and cooperative board gamers of being betrayed at some point or, you know, being played with by these big companies. I'm using my fingers to, you know, put it on quote, big companies uh, that they're going into Kickstarter. But then you have other companies that, for example, I don't recall Fantasy Flight, any Kickstarter for Fantasy Fantasy Flight games. So why do you think some companies do it and some companies don't? Do you think it's because uh, some, literally some companies, they have more money that they can afford don't not doing kickstarters or yeah i mean i i I honestly i don't have any like magical inside information about it i haven't worked with the like yeah i mean i think asmodee and like fantasy flight specifically they have very consistent specific marketing channels to like get their games out there and for better or for worse, I think Simon began as and established itself as, like, it became big because of Kickstarter. And people expect, like, I think, I mean, I, I, I get my Simon news from Kickstarter. I don't really go to their website at all. Yeah. So it, it might just be kind of like the brand they've they've created for themselves. And clearly, you know, it works for them. They, 
did you, no need to change so, like the, the so course did you of hear thing. about what I'm talking what I was talking about about the marble girl oh absolutely no no we had, we had a big discussion on our slack which is like this community we have um okay please share please please share some I mean, oh, pe- 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 people were furious and I, I get it I, I didn't back Marvel United myself I thought the gameplay looked a little too simplistic you see um, and I didn't see the play I, you, I'm told you man I'm just go blindly <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know the mechanics of it. <laughs> um, but now I will say some of our uh, some of our people on the Slack have played it. Uh, I think they have some kind of demo of it, or it's on Tabletop Simulator or something. And they said it's good for like playing with their kids and stuff, and like they're more casual friends. You you might still really enjoy it. Okay. Um, but yeah, it's uh, yeah, p- people were pissed, you know. And and then I think Simon did a statement later that was like, "Hey, we've told Walmart to stop selling it for now. Like they jumped the gun." And who knows, you know, where the, the truth lies within all of that. Yeah. Um, I mean, Simon, C- I, I personally don't like much the way they do it. But in okay. terms of it being a, you know, like a pre-order system, I push back on that a little bit because, you know, I, I did a bunch of Kickstarter previews in the last month. I did uh, Intrepid, which is uh, by the company that's like friend with uh, Tim Fowers, okay. you know, and I did... Uh, I did Cradia Wild Hunt, which is uh, one of those uh, offshoots of uh, Lion Wing Publishing. It's kind of like associated with Jap anime games. Yeah. Um, you know, and I did a few other ones. And yes, you're kind of pre-ordering the game, but those companies are small enough that those games probably would never exist, or they would have to take a huge financial chance, and they might never get any um, any attention, and the company might fold without Kickstarter. So yeah, you're you're pre-ordering, but you're pre-ordering something that there's a high likelihood it would never have existed in the pre-Kickstarter world. You know what I mean? So as a designer myself, I like to see more games. I like, I have an easier time seeing my games than I would have 10 or 15 years ago because there's more chance that a small publisher can do it in a limited print run and it still gets out there, which in the end is all I care about as a designer. You know, like I'm not making almost any money on it, especially if you consider all the hours I put in. But the idea that like this thing I worked really hard on that I'm really proud of is out there for people to enjoy, even if it's a smaller number of people. Kickstarter makes a lot of that possible. So I totally agree. Like, Simon is a, a kind of a bad actor in many cases, and there are other Kickstarter. But I'm still very happy that the platform exists in whatever form it is, you know, pre-order, some small companies, small, some large ones. You know, like, it. I, th- I think it's... I won't say it's good for gaming, because maybe there's too many games, maybe there's too much proliferation, maybe there's too people spending too much money on games they won't play. Like, there might be some bad offshoots of it, but as a designer, I'm happy it exists, if that makes sense. Do you think Do you think at some point it's going to fall? I don't know. I mean, they're making a lot of money, right? Um, and not just off-board games. I mean, there's other stuff on there, too. But I, 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 I'm sure... It, I don't think it will... It'll always be the same. I don't know what the change will be. I mean, Fewer Kickstarters, more small Kickstarters. I don't know. Can you imagine our hobby without Kickstarter, though? It would be very different. Very, very different. Our yeah, hobby I mean, without Kickstarter. It's such an omnipresence now. Yeah, Because I don't know. Everybody knows it. Like, like if, if, you, if you met somebody that it's a board gamer, let's call it a board gamer, right? Or an aficionado to our hobby. They know about Kickstarter. Like, that's the Absolutely. first thing. Like, oh, Kickstarter, yeah. Like, I, I And have other this, people don't bat a lot of the time. I'd be like, hey, you know Kickstarter? They're like, what? <laughs> yeah, no, and, and I'm pretty sure you have the same experience with your board game groups. Um, you know, every time that I'm talking to them, to uh, the different groups that I have here locally in Indianapolis and different friends and even couples of, of, of like, my wife and I, a couple of friends, um, the, the, always the Kickstarter subject comes to the table. 
So it's almost like like a part of it, you know. It's like yeah. And so it will be hard for me to picture it our hobby right now if the Kickstarter goes away. Yeah. But that was that was just a you know one of those times of reflection. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, it's definitely an interesting just, topic. Now that you were talking about your game, which actually I'm gonna give another another advertising. I'm gonna receive tomorrow a copy of Salvation Road, which I've been very, very, very excited um, to have it and to play it. So it was a lot of, for a lot of time, it was out of stock on Amazon, you know, the big corporation that we shouldn't support. We I should know. go to our favorite local gaming stores. I but know. on my defense, I went to my fo- my favorite local gaming store here in Indianapolis, um, and uh, which I will give a shout out to Game Preserve on Greenwood. It's the best store for gaming, so you guys go there. The people are amazing. Anyway, I went over there, and it was going to take like three weeks or something to receive the game. So then I went, I was like, well, what can I do if I don't want to support Amazon? Well, at least the other bigger one online, but at least they are a gaming company. So I went to Minuton Market, and I got myself a copy from there. And I will receive that copy tomorrow. Meanwhile, meanwhile, my friend Mike, now we're going to jump. We talk about Kickstarters. We talk about your uh, your origins as a gamer. Now we're going to go to that side of Mike, the designer one. We're going to talk about your games. And then we're going to jump into the YouTube part, into the content creator <laughs> that has been flashing around this conversation multiple times. And then we're going to have amazing subject to talk about. So let's talk about the designer right now. Let's talk about Salvation Road. Tell us about Salvation Road. Tell me about Salvation Road because I cannot wait for tomorrow um, to start to share some pictures on you know, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Yeah. Solo no, great, Podcast, if you don't follow us there, follow us there, my friends, because you will see the pictures of Salvation Road. So tell no, us about I Salvation Road. I really appreciate you uh, getting the copy. They're, they're getting pretty rare at this point. I think uh, we're down to like 50, 100 left of the original print run. It's, um, like, it's going to be like HeroQuest, dude. Like in 10 years or something, it's going to be like, hey, Salvation Road, yeah, I sell it to you for $500 or something. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, even better, like, if uh, on if we ever have, like, a really huge game and ignites interest in our previous designs, then maybe we could, like, do a new edition. We we definitely have new ideas for, like, things we'd like to do and yeah, the well, campaign the mode and stuff. Be the expensive one. one oh, absolutely, absolutely. It's, it's, it's the good one. It's the classic one. It's $1,000. That's it. Yeah. Clearly, we would mess up the second edition. That's how it always happens. Yeah. <laughs> okay, let's talk about Salvation Road. Tell us yeah, about Salvation so Road. Uh, so it's a fully cooperative uh, one-to-eight-player game. Oh. Although uh, f- five to eight is technically kind of like a variant um, because you lose one of the cool mechanics in the game when you do that. But it does play one to eight. And I'm happy that the game is quick enough that you can play an eight player game once you know it in like an hour, maybe an hour and a half, which is oh, and that's hard to achieve. Yeah, that, that, that's a pretty rare thing for a like, you know, thematic, uh, you know, tactical game. Um, but yeah, so it's uh, it's a setting. Uh, I was inspired mostly by Mad Max. Uh, like, really, uh, the Road Warrior was one of my main inspirations. So it's a post-apocalyptic, like, raiders, not zombies, post-apocalypse. And you are a... Uh, it, it really is a, similar to the Road Warrior story. You are a group of uh, survivors in a compound. You're compromised. A big army of raiders is coming to destroy you. And you're basically running out into the wasteland to these... Uh, shattered remnants of civilization trying to find fuel food ammo medicine for the journey and so you go through these turns you you go out you run back to the compound bring your stuff back you get attacked by raiders you suffer wounds and the end goal is if you when you think you have enough resources and that's uh it's kind of this uh 
hidden thing. You can you can do actions to find out, but you're not entirely sure what's ahead of you on the road to salvation, which is the name of this theoretically safe city that you're trying to get to in this big rig. Okay. Um, you don't know what you need, so you, at some point as players, when you think you can't hang on anymore, you decide to get in your truck and drive, and then you get to the end of the game, and you see if the resources were enough, and if you actually made it, or if you died on the road. Um, but yeah, a few of the... We, when we designed them <laughs> like other people have done them afterwards um but one of the cool things i think is still fully unique is that uh you have two characters each player controls two characters one of them is a hero and one of them is a survivor the heroes have bonus abilities like something cool they do that's special that's unique to them and the survivors have unique hindrances so they still help you like they still do actions they still collect stuff you still need them to win but you have to deal with their negative power like uh we had one that was patterned after, well, I won't say who in case they somehow listen to this, but a family member uh, <laughs> who is, uh, is like really annoying. And whenever that character uh, moves to a location with other characters, they cost the characters that location in action because they like talk and nag and bother them about stuff. Um, so like that character, you might want to have go scavenge by themselves because <laughs> you don't want them to be uh, messing with the group. Um, and then we also had... Uh, this was before, like, uh, Eldritar did it, but I think Eldritar might have come out first around the same time. But the wounds that go on you, they're on, like, a hidden generic wound side, and only when something else happens later do you flip them and find out, like, that your leg is more hurt than you thought it was or you've got an infection or something. Oh, that's so, nice. Yeah, like, there, there were a lot of cool things. Um, yeah, and that was uh, Van Ryder Games. It was great. Uh, AJ Porfirio, who does uh, Van Ryder, he's awesome. Really good working with him. So that was our first... It was not the first game we designed, like most designers, we had like you know four designs anywhere, or that we got a publisher for, and then it eventually didn't work out. Uh, but Salvation Road is the first design of ours, and I say ours by the way. I need to mention uh, Peter Gusis, who okay. hosts our podcast with us a lot. He's my co-designer, so every game I've done or uh, he's done, like one of us will be the lead designers, and then the other one will kind of be like lead developer and also do design work. So the two of us, that was our first game ever, Salvation Road. And my wife actually did the art for it, so it's kind of like a, a, a family affair overall. I need to advertise right now. I'm going to put a pause. Because you shared something on Facebook about your wife, about a graphic novel. And I think I saw it this morning. And I went and clicked in, and it was fantastic. I think. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I think it was this uh, short uh, teaser of a graphic novel. And it was about, I think, if I remember correctly, this, this um, female character walking into fire or something yeah. and then i don't remember the last quote but the graphics and the art and everything was fantastic it was top of the notch like so thank you so the- much i'll i'll tell my wife that you said that yeah she um she, she has some more stuff done on she's actually working on a new website for it but um my wife's a uh, new yorkian you know that term a puerto rican from new york yeah I know. so that. she uh <laughs> So her the the comic is about um, a Puerto Rican New Yorker who uh, discovers that she has superpowers. So it's a superpowered uh, New Yorker Puerto Rican, and her superpowers are kind of uh, focused around connecting with the spirit world in a way that's kind of uh, some of the stuff she would learn from her grandmother, uh, who was you know from the island and everything. Mm-hmm. So yeah, no, it's it's a pretty amazing project. I mean. I do a lot of creative work. I do design. I do YouTube, podcasting. My wife is 
10 times as creative as I am. <laughs> she writes books. She illustrates like she's, she's, she's an awesome lady. I'm Where, lucky. <laughs> does she have her, her, her material, her stuff like, uh, for, you know, available in a website or she yeah, have it's, a um, I mean, I, I can find you like the link and send it to you later so you can put it in your show notes okay, or whatever. We will share it definitely in our social media and that way you guys can check it out. Yeah. Uh, thank because you. the art looks fantastic. And I, I remember now that the title of this comic that we're talking about, this teaser, it was called La Pesadilla. Which yes. uh, which means the, the nightmare, right? Exactly. Well, th so, that was the yeah. episode. So the entire comic, I think she's calling Manu right now because the main character is Manuela. Okay. Um, but, uh, yeah, that, that, that episode, which is this recurring nightmare she's having, it's kind of a, not to spoil too much, but this is before she has superpowers and she's, uh, she's dreaming about stuff that will happen later in the comic when she has superpowers. So it's kind of like a premonition. So that's where the whole, like, nightmare theme comes in. Man, um, I want to read that stuff. So, so no, so, <laughs> well, thanks, guys. She'll be super happy to hear. Uh, with everybody yeah. over there in our social medias. Remember, Solovig at Solovig Podcast everywhere. Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Um, well, we were talking about Salvation Road. So that was with Vine Rider Games. Once again, I'm very excited to get it tomorrow. And I will take some pictures, share it. And I will get back to you because probably I will be playing it wrong. And that way you can, you know, help me with the rules and all this stuff. Well, the, the, the big thing we said, everyone, it was our biggest design mistake because this was, you know, our first one going out there. We made yeah. the, uh, the base game monstrously hard. Like people would lose very, very quickly. That's good. Um, so we, we have, uh, with the publisher's approval, there is an official solo, uh, not solo, there's an official um, introductory variant on BGG. Okay. Um, and it has several levels of like kind of stepping you into the full game. So for anybody listening to this, if you play Station Road, we fully uh, encourage you. Not saying like you're a bad gamer, not saying you got to be on easy baby mode, but this game is hard as anything. Hey, so we strongly encourage you to check out like the easy modes, uh, the introductory modes, and then try out the full game later. <laughs> you know what? I have as a solo gamer, I have my three filters, and one of them has to be the replayability. The other one, it has to be hard. Yeah, well, then maybe you'll be fine. <laughs> the third one that is more like a, you know, I guess a taste is that I like to die. If I don't uh, die in okay. a game, you know, that's that's why, and this is going to be, we're going to go to another topic in a little bit. I'm just going to tease you. That's why I, one of the biggest Kickstarters out there, games that I experienced, I didn't enjoy as much. And I'm talking about Too Many Bones. A lot of people love Too Many Bones, but... If I'm going to play too many bones, I'm going to do a house rule that I, my character will die. There's no coming back. That's it. <laughs> Just because... That's the like kind you, of, lose, you lose one battle and that's it? That's it, dude. Make it, yeah, make yeah. it real. So, um, so anyway, but we're going to jump into those subjects in a little bit. So now let's talk about the other game besides Salvation Road. Um, where, can we get somewhere? I mean, it's, it's still... Uh, so, yeah, the other one is Dark Dealings. This okay. is a... It's a competitive but also soloable uh, card game. So pretty cheap. Um, and yeah, the, the theme here, I don't know if anybody's ever played, or uh, Derek, if you're familiar with the old uh, Dungeon Keeper video games. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or like Boss Monster. Yeah. So it's one of those things where like you're the bad guy and heroes are coming and you're trying to defeat them, or I guess Dungeon Lords by uh, Vlada Chavadal, same kind of thing. Okay. Um, but yeah, so it's, a, it's like a tower defense game um, with, it's a mix of uh, bidding mechanics uh, to uh, get the defenses and the heroes you're going to fight. And then it's a tactical combat game with these uh, defenses that have limited uses, trying to uh, correctly align them to the weaknesses of the heroes and survive the longest 
Or um, if you're playing with the kind of friendly or no elimination rule, just have the best score at the end. Okay. Um, so yeah, that one was originally uh, Nevermore Games, which doesn't really exist anymore, but they had done Chicken Caesar and Mars Needs Mechanics and a few other games. Uh, Greater Than Games that does uh, Spirit Island. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah they, they picked it up, but they haven't done... Like, I'm still not really sure where their distribution is. Like, there should be tons of copies in a warehouse somewhere. I want to say that I saw it on Game Nerds. I believe Game Nerds has... Yeah, like, like it's been... It'll pop up with a few copies, and then it won't be there anymore. Like, I think it was on Miniature Market, and there's an expansion, too. We did two Kickstarters uh, that both did pretty well. There's an expansion for it, too. And they'll, like, be on Miniature Market for, like, a few days, and then it'll sell out, and then it won't be there anymore. So, I'm still not really sure, like, uh, what's going on with the distribution of that. But, theoretically, it should be available at some point. And... Um, yeah, solo, solo is fun. I mean, I, I love solo. It's, uh, it's challenging. Um, you, well, you can make it as challenging as you want, especially with the expansion. They have all these variants that really make it, uh, almost impossible if you, okay. if that's where you want to go. Sure. Um, that's where I want to yes. go. <laughs> um, and there's actually two solo modes because in the expansion, we released a new version of solo. The original one was, uh, more modeling the main game. So you had like, you were kind of bidding against, uh, random pools by the AI deck. Whereas the new one is very, very puzzly and tactical. Like, there's almost no hidden information. It's all just, like, working out the math perfectly and getting, like, your attacks perfectly set up. Yeah. Um, but, no, I'm, 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 proud of, I'm proud of all our designs, but both of those, like, I... Are you working I wouldn't in... change something if they were there today, but, like, I'm, I think they were both good games. Are you working in something right now? Anything? Oh, yeah, no, we're always working. Uh, we, have, uh, we have two games we're currently pitching. Okay. Um, Two games that had had publishers and have kind of fallen away, so we're we're kind of ruminating on them. We might change them up because uh, kind of their time has passed potentially, so we might need to like retheme them or re-mechanic them. And then uh, two more games that are in very early beta. So like we have four games we would say are close to done. Like we would definitely let anybody play them on Tabletop Simulator. And then we have uh, like maybe two or three designs that are kind of more in early stages. Now, talking about design processes, when uh, this is for all, all of you friends out there that you have to think at some point or have some thought of, you know, I would like to create a game or something. Um, it's, what it, well, I think one of the, the, also the mistakes, I don't know if it's a mistake even because I'm not a designer, of course, at all. But when you design a game, do you, what is the first thing that you think? You start like, okay, I want to do a deck building. You feel start to, you start to uh, think about mechanics or you start to think about theme. How does it work? Like, so so it, it, or mechanic. Whatever works for you is fine. Like in terms of advice, but for me, I'm very much a theme person. Um, every game I've designed, uh, where I've been the lead designer, because that's how it works. Either Peter or I will have like the main idea and do the initiative, and then we'll kind of come in and workshop it and everything. Um, but everyone that I've been the lead designed for was either heavily inspired by a video game, or heavily inspired by a movie, or heavily inspired by a book. So Salvation Road was a mix of uh, Mad Max Road Warrior and actually the uh, Telltale game. I don't know if you've heard of them. They're like these kind of choose your I mean, they're not around, I don't think, yeah. anymore. But yeah, they're, they're walking... Batman game. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, they're, they're Walking Dead one, which was their first big one. Like, some things in that really got me started. Salvation Road started as a zombie game and then eventually morphed over, you know, <laughs> a long time of development into a uh, post-apocalyptic game. Yeah. Uh, like the Mad Max one. Um, so that's how I work. I'll figure out which theme I want and then start finding mechanics that will bring that theme to life while still being like fun and interesting. And 
Yeah, so, like, one of my designs right now, if you've ever heard of uh, FTL, which is this uh, uh, computer game on, like, Steam and stuff. It's like a spaceship roguelike. Okay. Uh, one of my current designs is based on that, in a way. Um, and then uh, the other design is, yeah, I mean, I don't know. It, it's, all, it's always themed for me first. And I'm pretty I sure we will, we will see them on Kickstarter very soon. I mean, um, well, not very soon. <laughs> but, I mean, but I'm confident. But hopefully I'm confident. one day. I have you, man. I have you. You're going to be on Kickstarter <laughs> very soon. I, I know. <laughs> anyway. So now we talk about Kickstarter. We talk about game design. Let's talk about one-stop co-op shop because it's probably one of the most visited uh, YouTube channels out there, especially for solo board gamers. And I know that because when I uh, when I look into you know your videos, I see the crazy amount of viewers, subscribers, and stuff. And I compare them to other you know content creators out there. And not that you know ones are better or, or worse than the other ones. It's just the reality and the facts right. of, you know, how many people go to you or to your channel to do, um, um, you know, to look for advice on a review, um, to see how a game works, which is the smartest way, the smartest way to do it, not like Derek, <laughs> that you just don't buy blindly. No, you don't do it that like Derek. You do it like Michael. You play the game, you read, you read the rule book, and then you decide if you want to go with it all in. Anyway, what about the channel, man? How do you end up there? Did you start a channel, or uh, how 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 it was? Yeah, so so Colin, if you watch One Stop Co-op Shop, you're probably familiar yeah, with sure. him. Yeah. Uh, Colin started the channel, um, I don't know, maybe three years ago, um, and it was just a playthrough channel. Like he he said to me many times, like I don't really want to do reviews. He did write some uh, text reviews on BGG back in the day, but he's not really doing that anymore. So he would just play through games. Um, you can go back. I think one of his first ones ever was Project Elite, which is cool because as of this recording, his most recent video was Project Elite, but oh. now the uh, the 2020 version with Simon, there's Simon again <laughs> instead of. Which uh, I, I should mention that we are recording on July 21st of 2020. Yes. Now you're gonna probably this episode is gonna air because this is gonna this is episode number 70. Uh, it's gonna air around mid August, hopefully, or probably before that. But just so you know that you know. Probably we're yeah, talking it's, about it's a little time capsule. Who, who knows what will have happened by then? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> especially it's with the world we are at, at different dates at the same time. Uh, depends on where you're listening. If you're listening in Europe, and if you're listening in China, if you're listening in Mexico, wherever you are, you know. Well, in Mexico will be the same date as US, but <laughs> <laughs> but in in the, in China probably will be a day. Is it a day after or a day before? I don't know. No, but you get there anymore. <laughs> we're talking about time travel here. But anyway, yeah, you but were yes, talking so, about one-stop co-op shop. Colin. So, so Colin started the one-stop co-op shop, just playthroughs. And it's a really tangled thing. So Peter and I were designing games. And we didn't even start our podcast, which was not the one-stop co-op shop podcast at first. We didn't start our podcast to do be game reviewers. We started because we were like, hey, we like talking about design anyway. Like, we would always have, like, two-hour-long phone calls each day just, like, talking about games and designs and stuff. So we were like, hey, why don't we start a podcast? We like other podcasts. Let's start a podcast. So back then it was called uh, Co-Op Cast because we mostly play solo and co-op games. We were like, hey, let's focus on that. Hey, solo and co-op, you, you know, solo BG, <laughs> solo BG is solo the same BG thing. Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, yeah. Cl clearly we're in good company. Um yeah, so we started uh, what was called Co-op Cast at a time, and it went pretty well. You know, like, we would just do episodes. We started doing our little five-point uh, review thing. That's where that started. Um, and at some point, 
Colin, Pete, Peter reached out to him in some way because I hadn't seen the one-stop-up shop at that point. Peter reached out and was like, hey, Colin, uh, do you want to do be a guest on our episode on Gloomhaven? That was the episode that Colin guested on, you know, the original Gloomhaven review. Yeah. And and we did it, and he was so funny. It's such great energy. Like, you know, Derek, you know, but anybody who's watched uh, Colin, he's like so just yes, full of energy. Fun. energetic like um so yeah so we had a great time with him on gloomhaven and then we brought him back for spirit island i think so really like good like heavy hitting games and uh, if you listen to our podcast steve is a regular contributor there and he does youtube videos as well sometimes uh con and steve were like hey we're gonna start a podcast too Back then, we were doing uh, every other Sunday. I think we were, like, making it so we weren't on the same weeks as uh, Every Night is Game Night with Jason Perez, which is an awesome podcast. Um, as awesome, or maybe maybe not as awesome, because Solo BG is the top. But, you know, pretty uh, awesome podcast. Uh, <laughs> uh, Jason is a very cool guy. I really um, enjoy his podcast, by the way. Uh, if you haven't listened to it, Every, every Night is Game Night, uh, we actually did together an uh, episode with the Saller Brothers when they... Uh, released the last Kickstarter yes. of Heroes. I don't remember. I exactly. that whole one. That was a great episode, man. I forgot that was you. That's right. Good call. That was yeah, a really right. good episode. Yeah. The Mexican guy with the awful accent was me over there. Anyway. I didn't notice your awful accent. Your accent's great. I, I noticed um, <laughs> you were you were such a geek for the Sadler Brothers. It was the best. You were like so excited. <laughs> you were like yeah, Sadler Brothers. <laughs> yeah, those guys, I mean, their games, they're fantastic. And no, no, anyway, I'm, if you haven't if you haven't listened to uh, Jason, go for it and and listen to every night is game night. This is a great podcast as well. Okay, my friend, sorry for the interruption. Go for it. Well, and and quick thing for Jason. Uh, by the time this podcast airs, uh, he did uh he he's done some playthrough videos and we've aired them like on our channel just to kind of help him and give him a place to put them. So uh, he should have one for the the Stormlight Archives uh, new standalone for uh, Call to Adventure. So check out Jason on our channel. Um, but yeah, so, so I don't even know where I was. So we were on uh, that's those Sundays, every other Sunday. So then Colin and Steve were like, hey, we're going to start a one-stop co-op shop podcast because we like what your guys are doing. We want to do our own. So they did it the other Sundays. So we were kind of like these two separate podcasts. Okay. Um, so then at some point we were like, well, this is dumb. We're like literally doing things on opposite weeks and splitting audiences when we just combine, we'll all be one podcast, yeah. and we'll have an episode every week instead of every other week, and it'll be four of us instead of uh, two of us, you know, for individually. So we did that, and uh, we weren't sure if it was going to be co-op cast, but eventually we decided, like, One Stop Co-op Shop is a more well-known brand because of the YouTube channel, so we went with that being, like, the the umbrella term for it. Yeah. So we were just podcasting for a while, and I'm, I know this is a long story. I'm sorry. No, 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 but it's, hey, it's... it's I'm very, I, I'm in it, dude. It's like a great movie. So keep going. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. So, um, so at some point I was like, hey, man, the videos are cool. I like videos. I used to be a professional actor, so I like being on, you know, I, I'm not nervous being on screen and stuff. Um, so I was like, hey, why don't I do a review video? You know, Colin, you'll do the playthroughs. I'll throw a review of every once in a while. Like once a month, I'll do a review. That's how it started. <laughs> just, just so dumb looking at how much I do now. <laughs> but, but, you know, I was like, once a month, I'll do a review. So I did, uh, I think my first one was Harry Potter, Hogwarts Battle. And I said I hated it. <laughs> By and large, I said it was not good. <laughs> for me, at least. For me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah, so I, I was doing that, like maybe one review every two weeks, I think, is maybe where I started. 
Um, and then I think so. I, I kind of became a sort of you know friends at that point. I would say we're definitely friends now, but sort of friends with Brady Sadler on uh, Facebook. And he was like, "Hey, let me send you uh, Street Masters." And I was like, "All right." Like I'd never Fantastic. gotten a review copy. I was like, "What? Like you're just gonna send it to me? All right. <laughs> what, what is it about?" So, um, so I got Street Masters. And I was like, hey, Colin, can I do, like, a playthrough, too? And I did a playthrough for them. So suddenly I was, like, encroaching on Colin's territory. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I was, yeah. I was doing his thing. Um, and just, and but everything I do on my playthroughs was, like, started out as imitating Colin, because he's awesome. Like, I wasn't doing my own <laughs> style at all. I was just trying to do the same thing he does. Um, so, yeah, so I, I kind of picked up. I was doing more playthroughs. I was doing more uh, reviews. I tended to get more games because Colin didn't want to do reviews. So since I was willing to do reviews, I would like get some more of the review copies. Um, and then uh, the big thing was that Colin, just because of like stuff going on in his life, was like, hey, so first he stopped doing the podcast. Um, and uh, for a while, Elijah stepped in. I uh, wanted Steve's friends to do his episodes. And now we just kind of like figure out who's doing an episode every week, you know. So sometimes it's me, sometimes it's Steve, sometimes it's uh, Peter. Um, but yeah, so then Colin was like, hey, I don't think I want to do the YouTube channel anymore. Like, I'm quitting. We're shutting down one stop co-op shop. And I was like, well, I mean, I, I could do it. <laughs> you know, like, I'll take it over for you. We'll, we'll, I'll keep it alive. I can't say I'll post a lot. And he was like, all right. So for a decent amount there, he was just gone. And man, like the comments, people were like, where the hell is Colin? <laughs> you, know, like, you know what? I've been reading some of those comments in videos like, is Colin coming back? Where is Colin and all this yeah, stuff? Yeah, yeah, yeah. If, because... if you look back during that period, you'll see, like, half the comments are just like... And, you know, they weren't all me. Like, I, I get it. Colin started the channel. So they would be like, hey, Mike, you're doing fine. Good job. I like the video. Where's Colin? <laughs> <laughs> you know? Actually, one of my favorites from Colin is the, the review... No, the playthrough that he did with uh, Heroes of Therinaut from yeah. the... Actually, from the Saller games, too. Yeah, yeah. Which I had to say, from the Saller Brothers, is probably my less favorite game. But the playthrough was very energetic, and yeah. honestly, Colin, Colin made it seem like it's even. I'm sorry, this is gonna sound rude, but probably better than. than no, 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 no. He he does that. Like he does that to me. I'll be like, oh, let's get rocketed. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I uh, for me, probably Brook City is my least favorite of theirs. I like Heroes of Terranoth pretty well. It's not like a top one. Street Masters, uh, Ultra Quest coming up. Oh my God, Ultra Quest. Did you back yeah. that one? Uh, I'm very excited about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that one is. Phenomenal, and here is uh, Hour of Needs, really good too. Yeah, they're, they're good guys. <laughs> that was the name. Hour. Yes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so so Colin quit ish for a while, um, and I was like doing all of it and facing some blowback. Um, and the thing is, like, I eventually I used to just do some playthroughs for games, but I eventually came to it. I was like, I don't want to, I don't want to play a game, and, and kind of like what you just said, like play a game. I'm an energetic guy. Somebody thinks it's the best game ever and they don't know that I hated it. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want that situation. So I was like, from now on, I'm always going to do a review and a playthrough. Like any game I cover, you in a playthrough. So you know how I feel about it. You can make a fully transparent decision about what you want to buy. You know what I mean? Um, Cause I want my, I want my videos to be a resource. You know, like in the end, I want to help people out in their decisions. Yeah. I want to help them learn the game. I want to help them see if the game's for them. I want to give them an entertaining ride at the same time. You know, like I want all that stuff to happen ideally with my videos. Um, but yeah, so Colin eventually, um, he was like, I don't want to have to cover anything. Like I, you know, I, I'll, I'll, I'll happily come back, 
But if I want to do like 50 plays of Lord of the Rings, I'm going to do that. If I want to do like 20 plays of Arkham, and you'll notice that like he's mainly doing campaign games on the channel. Like he'll just do a sword and sorcery game every week. He'll just do a, uh, like right now he's doing a Project Elite he just started. Or he's doing um, uh, Hunters AD uh, 2114 or whatever it is. So that was kind of thing he was like hey do you mind if i come back i was like dude you started the channel come back whenever you want like it's your channel too you know like it's not I didn't, i'm not stealing it from you um so now i do pretty much all the reviews i do pretty much all the like the newer game playthroughs and by and large he does um he does like the campaign consistent plays and we also have a uh, baron he kind of like cross post because he's at uh, his own channel meet me at the table uh, which is great um, so he'll, like, cross-post a few of his campaign games, like Kingdom Death Monster he kind of, like, has on both the channels. Um, and then Steve will do a video every once in a while. He's hoping to do more. Like, he did uh, our review of um, Reichbusters from uh, Mythic Game, I think it is. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So so that's the whole thing. So I kind of – so it started as a podcast. Then we combined podcasts. Then I just did a few videos. Then Callum wanted to quit, and I took over. And now I'm kind of a partner with him, I guess. <laughs> so it's like a family that came together after, you know, going uh, ups and downs and then boom, now we're like a big team and we're going to rock it. Yeah. And it's fantastic. It's fantastic because, I mean, like I said, videos from, videos from Colin, of course, full of energy. And then yeah. we, we have your reviews where you are pretty straightforward. And I think that's the hard part on a, on a reviewer, right? Like once again, I don't call myself a reviewer. But for better or for worse, I do review games on the podcast, right? It's one, sure. <laughs> one game per episode. And I think the tricky part, which I really appreciate from, from you as well, and that is very hard, all of you, my friends, is when you receive a copy of a game, you know, for free, basically. And, of course, you know, the, whoever sends it to you, they spend money on, on, on the production, first of all, and shipping and all the stuff. Yeah. They bother, and we really appreciate it, or at least I really appreciate it. But... The tricky part is when when you receive that game and you play it a couple of times and you're like, damn, like, you know, like, I mean, why do I say it? For example, I'm going to throw it out there. Uh, you, you see that I'm wearing a Batman shirt and Batman for me is like, like that, that's it. Like there's no other uh, franchise theme that I enjoy yeah. the most than Batman. And I received the game. Talisman Batman from USOPOLY, right? It's you my first that in the last episode. Yeah. Well, the last episode, episode for me, I know. Last like episode for you. Once again, time travel. Let's not get yeah, there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, episode number 65, it was Talisman Batman. Anyway, um, my first experience with Talisman, you know, I like it for what it is. I think for all in move, it's a good role in move. I mean, if you compete, you've proven to compete that role in move. Talisman versus Monopoly, or like <laughs> Eldor, the island of Eldorado, which is a right. recent Kickstarter. I mean, I would probably go with Talisman. Am I gonna put on the same level to other games? No. And that's where the reviewer part. And I guess you will agree with me. I don't know how, what is your input, but that's when you feel a little bit. You know, at, at the same time, you feel good because you're giving an honest review, but it's just that hard feeling of, you know. Well, I don't want to say that it's bad, but it's not just for everybody, you know? <laughs> and probably, I mean, don't get me wrong. For example, I try Batman Flux, and I hate it. I hate it. I really hate it. Like, I, I, don't, I don't understand how people like Flux. And I say with all <laughs> respect to all my friends over there, if you like Flux, I mean, you need to tell me what's your secret, because I need to be either drunk or something to enjoy it, because I don't, 
I don't really know what's going on. And to that game, I remember from zero to five, I give it at zero point two, and the point two was because of Batman, <laughs> right? So the zero was, I mean, so <laughs> anyway. But what what is your input on that aspect? Like when you get these big Kickstarter games of, I don't know, a hundred, two hundred dollars, and then you're like, oof. Have you experienced it? Have you had that? Yeah, no, no, those encounters of the third kind, I guess. Yeah. Um, so first of all, I've I've tried to make things easy for myself in my review format. Um, so for those who aren't familiar, I do like five points. It is also what we do in our uh, in our podcast. I do kind of like the five design choices or mechanics or aspects of the game that uh, most strongly pop out. And for each of those, I rank them as con, a mix, or a pro for me. Because I try to make this clear in a lot of my videos, like, I like this mechanic, but you might hate it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, and then in my final thoughts, I strive really hard. I don't always mention this exactly, but I try really hard to be like, here's what I liked. Here's what I didn't like. Here's what you might like if you're this kind of gamer. Here's what you might not like if you're that kind of gamer. So I don't do... Um, like, I know, uh, you know, you just said you gave it a, a point two out of five. Uh, Liz Davidson, my friend from uh, Beyond Air, like, she she ranks games by number. I don't do number rankings. I say, like, I really like this one. I like it okay. But you might not, because I think everyone's number is going to be different, you know. So that gives me a little freedom, I think. Um, and, again, even a game I despise, I try to be like, hey, but you might love this game if. Yeah. And a game that I love, I try to be like, hey, you might hate this game if. Um, so that hopefully it's a it's useful to anybody, you know, like any gamer can kind of see themselves in something I said or can hear a mechanic they like or don't like. Um, now, the other thing you said, like I've ever gotten a Kickstarter and I thought it was great. <laughs> this kind of like infamous one. Um, Tainted Grail by uh, Awake Films. I want that, that... that game so bad. Well, so, so ignore everything I'm about to say. Um, but <laughs> so that was my number one, number one, Derek, number one game on my top 20 games of uh, 2019 list at the end of last year. Number one game. Oh, and then uh, so I do this uh, this monthly series on the YouTube channel called Shelf Life, which is uh, it also makes me feel OK with my reviews because I know I have a second chance. So basically how Shelf Life works is um, it'll be about six months after I review a game or five. Like, that's about the time frame I'm on. I'll talk about all the games I reviewed like five months ago. And I'll say for each of them if I kept it or not. And here's why. And that's often been a, a place for me to say, hey, it wasn't as fun as I thought. Or, hey, this part of it got old. Or, hey, uh, it was actually better than I thought. I found this thing or this expansion fixed it for me. Like, gives me like kind of a second say on games. Yeah. So yeah, Satanic Grail is the infamous one because it was my number one game of last year and I got rid of it this year. And it's because uh, playing through it a third time, I was like, oh my God, that, that's it? That, that's what you got for me? <laughs> so now, you know, yeah. first of all, every complaint I had in getting rid of it is a complaint that can be fixed with a house rule, number one. And number two, there are tons of people I've talked to who see exact same issues as I do and still adore the game. So nothing I'm saying means you're not going to like it, Derek. Okay. Um, but there are things that can make it less enjoyable. Probably my biggest advice. So D Derek, whenever you're receiving it, if you're in like wave two or whatever. Yeah. Um, so my big advice for anybody go East when you have a choice of which way to go, because <laughs> West, West is boredom and grinding and hating the game. East is all the fun stuff. So go East. 
If you do I, that, I, you'll I, be in a good place. <laughs> now, you, 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 now that we we're gonna jump more now in in the gaming aspect. Now that we talk about Kickstarter, we talk about podcasts, we talk about YouTube channel. Um, I really hate house home rules or house rules. Like honestly, when I when I had to do that on a game. I I ended up hating it. Like me too. Okay. Well, the thing is, I saw how I could fix Tainted Grail. I still didn't keep it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Um, so I'm mostly with you. I will say, sometimes, um, very rarely, like Magic Maze. You ever played Magic Maze, Derek? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I Magic did. Maze, um, the solo mode for that, in my opinion, is some garbage. Like, it's really like terrible. <laughs> it's not even the same game. Yeah. So, so I, I made a really simple solo variant and put it on BGG, and it's, like, really popular, and a lot of people have said it's, like, their favorite way to play the game solo now. I'm fine with that. I made it myself. It's not even really, really a house rule. It makes the game more like the real game and, like, exactly. takes away the dumb stuff, you know what I mean? Like, the well, weird stuff adding, they added to solo. You're adding a variant. You're not changing. Uh, you know what I'm saying? When, when, yeah. I, when I put my house rule, is like, when something, it's on their rule book, it's there, but it doesn't work. And it's like, oh, it's up to you. I mean, oh, well, totally. you just have to do house rules and stuff to, you know, make a decision. That's when I, when I hate it. Either yeah. that or I get it production-wise. When a game, uh, you know, gives you the, I don't know, metal resource or wood resource or whatever. And then it tells, it tells you, like, hey, if you don't have enough components, find something that is suitable. Like, dude, come on. I mean, we're playing, <laughs> especially on Kickstarters. Or, or or like or like expensive games like we're playing like one of my favorite uh i think i saw it was it with portal games or which with game i saw it recently to use something suitable i i really it really threw me off like those <laughs> two, I'm, I'm i know this is unpicked but those two things the house rule part and um adding uh components that they're not included on the game yeah I, like how like i always think like how how but anyway now that we're talking to games, I want to jump into a subject that we talk about, you and I. Uh, we talked about it previously where we were exchanging uh, messenger texts and all this stuff. And we're going to talk about a game that we both enjoy uh, for what we talk. Uh, actually, you just did a video on it, yep. which is Rallyman GT. Uh, and it's currently they have to steal the Kickstarter. Well, when you're listening to this, probably the yeah, late you, 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 Maybe you can late back. <laughs> Yeah, well, exactly. well, they can buy Rallyman GT. They just won't be able to back dirt, I guess, right? Yeah, and anyway, it will be on retail. I mean, but that game will sure. hit retail anyway. But, for example, that's a great game that, once again, we're going to talk about it in a little bit more in deep. But I want to talk about a subject that I think I, I have experienced. I experienced it recently. I know that you have experienced it before. And other friends from different gaming groups have experienced it as well. And it's when you get a game that you enjoy that you love let's let's call it like that that you think it's a great game but then you bring it to the table with your friends or with your group of your gaming group and for some reason it doesn't work yep what do you do do you keep the game i mean what do you do and i'm going to start um with this story really quick there's a game that it was a kickstarter that i didn't back and it's called, um, actually, I have to turn over there. It's called the Ninja Turtles, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, The Change is Constant by IDW, designed yep. by Pete Walsh, which they already did the Kickstarter campaign for the Batman the Animated Series, which, of yep. course, I went all in. Of course. Not knowing the mechanics, not knowing anything. 
because it's Batman. So I went ahead and I spent the two hundred and eighty dollars for everything. And then that that one is pretty good from what I've played. Like it's not. There are things I would change, but it's not bad. So you should be okay. <laughs> uh, then I saw the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles on a trip that I went to Miniature Market to St. Louis, Missouri, and I bought the game. First of all, I had to admit that it's probably the worst rule book, the worst rule book that I have encountered for solo mode or cooperative mode in a while. And it's sad because it's IDW, yeah. and the game is great, but the rulebook is awful. Even a lot of the descriptions on the characters on the AA events and stuff, it's bad read it. I'm sorry, bad uh, type or whatever, <laughs> whatever it's called in English. Uh, but uh, and it, it's sad, you know, because the game, I invest on in that game like at least two or three hours in board game geek watching videos to be to be in order to being able to figure it out. So now I know the game. Now when I bring it to the table, I know the game. And I told my friends, don't look at the rule book. This card, ignore it completely. It doesn't work like that. It works like this. <laughs> right? But even besides that, that game, I love it. I'm almost done painting all the minis. Nice. Like I, I just order actually in the package that I'm getting from your game from Minute to Market, a bunch of advertisement. They should send something, a game or something. Like that. <laughs> anyway, hello to my friend from Minute to Market. Um, and I also get some uh, Kickstarter exclusives that they were selling and stuff. Anyway, I brought it to the table two times already, and it doesn't work. So with that being said, I know you're going to have some games too. What do you do, Mike, in those situations? Like, I feel like, should I sell it? Am I, being, am, am I liking the game just because the theme? Because that was a big theme for me also growing up, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Um, what, what do you do with, with those situations, right? And I'm pretty sure I'm not the only one. I'm pretty sure this situation, it's out there with a bunch of you amazing friends and, and solo gamers. So what do you think, Mike, with the, this short story? What is the next step? Should we get rid of it? Should we keep it? What do we do? So it depends some on your location and your kind of gaming situation. I'm lucky enough now, COVID notwithstanding, who knows what the sure, world yeah, is yeah. like, but... Before that, I'm in a pretty big metropolitan area. I have uh, several gaming stores within, like, a 30-minute drive. Uh, so not super close, but close enough. Um, and I've got a regular game group. Uh, they own a ton of games. The stores I would go to, they had really nice libraries. And if I go to a convention, any game I want to play is probably going to be there. Mm-hmm. So with that in mind, I'm the kind of person, again, I call a lot anyway. If a game that I bought... For multiplayer, or like with multiplayer being a major factor in my valuation of the game, you know, like I expect to play the solo and co-op, and that's going to be part of how much I like it. I'll get rid of that game for sure if my main group doesn't like it. Um, Now, that can even get more complicated because I'm sure you're you're the same as me, Derek. You probably have some friends you play with, and then you have like your, your wife, and they might play things very differently. And you might keep a game that your wife loves, or you might keep a game that your friends love. Um, so there's all that kind of stuff in there. But yeah, if, if if I see that the game is only good solo and that's not enough for me, that game's going, you know? Okay. If it doesn't have solo, then it's done, you know, if people don't want to play it with me. Uh, you know, not, what is the point of causing myself that stress and trying to force it on them in future game nights to disastrous results? Um, but that being said... 
if Solo does hold the value for you, then, you know, keep it as much as you want for Solo. And, you know, two examples of this. Um, so Magic Maze, we already talked about that. Yeah. Part of the reason I, I made the Solo mode is because my regular game can enjoy it. My family likes it okay, but I was like, I love this game. I love Magic Maze. <laughs> and I was like, no, forget this. They they did solo poorly. I'm going to do it better. You know, now I can play Magic Maze for as long as I want. I got it forever. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, Quirky Circuits, another game I did a solo variant for that's been pretty well received. Like uh, um, that one, some people didn't like. And both of those are chaotic, cooperative games where things can go wrong and you can get mad at each other. So I get it. Like, I understand why people don't like them. I don't blame them. So I just made it so I could play it consistently. Um, Rallyman GT. Hey. I think that game's awesome. Every time I play it, I like it more. Every time I play it. I've been playing it constantly on, like, Board Game Arena or Tabletop Simulator or with my copy that I bought. I am, every damn day I'm playing, <laughs> I'm racing that game. You know, like, I love that game now. Um, but, you know, Peter and Jerry, I played with them online. They didn't like it much. I haven't tried it with my family yet, but I don't know if they'll like it. But whatever. Solo's good for that. Um, I played around with the, the AI car variant, you know, to, like, give me kind of a multiplayer experience. That's staying in my collection. So, yeah, it's all about the evaluation. But the one thing I would say is um, if you don't think you'll get the game played except with other people and the other people don't like it, why cause yourself that mental strain and that stress <laughs> and, that, and that potential social strain, you know, like strain on your relationships because you're trying to do things people don't want to do? Like, just let it go. There's too many games. <laughs> too- yeah, I know, right? That's that's not the problem. The games are not the problem. Yeah. And I mean, what, what what do you think, Derek? I think, like, for example, and this is the most... Uh, Rallyman GT, actually, now that we're talking about the game, the game, it's great. The components are great. My only critique, sort of, on the game is that why they didn't make a solo mode like the one that you played on your uh, on your video, which is the variant from um, BGG, uh, you know why you don't do something like that? that my one critique originally on the, on the game, right? And the other one is the cars. Why? Because then you have the games like uh, Downforce, which is other game that I really enjoy, yeah. racing game, right? Beating game, very different mechanics because it's beating, sure, and sure. it doesn't matter. You even doesn't matter if you're driving the car; you can still win by making other people win. Yep. Uh, but um, the cars from Downforce are great. I mean, the size is great, you know, perfect. But the Rallyman GT are so small, in my opinion, right? Like, even if I want to paint them, it's, like, so small. And then if I want to replace them with other cars, believe me, I've been in Target recently, in in Walmart stores, like, in different stores trying to look for micro Hot Wheels or some stuff like that, and that way I can you know, substitute them and make it look cooler on the table, but I haven't been able to find the same scale. And I don't think I will, unless I have a, unless I get it from an Etsy 3D printing or something like that. <laughs> um, but, um, but the game is great. Now, that game, I have to say, I didn't brought it to my, uh, probably by the time of this episode, I already played it uh, with my big group of friends because we're doing our own NCON since the COVID, whatever. Oh, like, that's just, so cool. Yeah, just the trio. It's three of us, main the main group that we play weekly. I have other group that we're near fifty people, but with this group of three people, uh, we're gonna get together Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Like if it was our Jenkin, and we're gonna rotate houses and just gonna play since seven a.m. to eleven p.m. Just like if we were in Jenkin, right? That's amazing, man. Uh, but anyway, by that time, by the time of this episode, I already tried Rally Man GT with all of with the three of them. I tried with one of them. 
and it didn't work. So then I was like, why? It was, and then it was li literally a little bit after Ninja Turtle, and I was like, no, two in a row, why? <laughs> but then I tried Rallyman and Borgia Marina like you did, and I had a blast. Oh, yeah. Then I tried Solo, and it was fantastic. So I will tell you this, even if that game doesn't work with the group, I'm still keeping it. Going back to Ninja Turtles, yes, I don't want to force them <laughs> uh, <laughs> to, to go to that strain of playing. I do enjoy it solo. I, I have My wife hasn't tried it. But at the same time, on that game, I blame the rule book. Yeah. And that's another subject that we're going to talk about right now. I don't conceive. I know we all are humans and we all do mistakes. And believe me, I do a bunch of mistakes. Bunch of mistakes. I don't conceive how, especially big publishers, can do a very, very bad rule book. Either because they don't test it enough, either because nobody cares, or what's going on, right? So, what is your input on that? I'm pretty sure you have reviewed a bunch of games that you're like, you open oh. the rule book, you're like, like what? Like another Absolutely. example. Another hidden, hidden, what is it called? Hidden gem for me. Yeah. First Martians from Portal Game. Nazi oh, really? Treasure. Yeah, I haven't tried that one Pusa, yet. You know, but in Mars, base. Um, if you get the game, the base game, you open the rulebook and you're like, what the hell? Like, I don't know what to do, right? Then you go to their website and download the Almanac, which is the other rulebook. Fantastic game. Great game. Ah. So that's the thing. Like, what, what do you think a lot of rulebooks are so bad. What, what do we blame? Um, so how we do our rule books, I tend to be our main rule writer, just because I'm, you know, English teacher and all that. Okay. Um, so first of all, rule books are tough. Like, I think I do them I'm pretty sure. well, and it is a lot of work. And that's, and none of our games are, like, ultra complicated. Like, we don't have any, like, <laughs> war games with, like, 7.1-A, like, you know, nested <laughs> yeah. rules or anything. Um, but first of all, it's just tough to write them. I have to believe, I, I just have to believe, I have to believe that companies aren't doing enough blind playtesting, at least some of them. For all of our games, we have done blind playtesting. Like, literally, we send, it's easier now with tabletop simulator, but we used to just, like, send a prototype to people. You know, like, let, like, I, uh, for Salvation Road, I let, like, this group of three kids of one of my uh, teacher friends who were, like, 15 years old. I was like, here you go. Tell me how you did, ask any questions, film yourself for one of your sessions. I'll look at the tape and, like, see if you mess anything up. And, like, you see, you know, you're like, oh, they didn't get that thing. Um, for uh, one of our current games, um, we did a whole bunch of blind playtesting through Tabletop Simulator. We had, uh, well, well, not Tabletop Actually, at that point, it wasn't Tabletop Simulator. They did print and play. But, you know, we had, I think, uh, like, 50 groups playing it. And they sent us reams of notes. And we, like, redid rules. We changed rules. We fixed things. Um... And again, this is true blind playtesting. Like, we don't give them any hints. We don't send them a video of how to play. Like, they just get a rule book. They get the game. Figure it out. Tell me what was confusing. Describe how you played so I can see if you did things wrong. So I have to believe that some companies aren't doing that. But then also the other reality as a designer, um, things change. I forget... Like, somebody will ask me, you'll hear this from a lot of designers, but it's definitely true for me. Somebody will ask me, like, a rule about Dark Dealings or Salvation Road, and I'll have to go check the rule book, 
Because think that game's been living with me for like two or three years while I was making it. It's gone through like a hundred iterations. This rule might have been the exact opposite two iterations ago. And I forget, like that all becomes a jumble in my brain. And sometimes those iterations, like uh, sometimes you maybe you're doing blind playtesting. Maybe you're doing the right thing. Maybe all these companies are doing it right. But they find something broken and crap our timetable. Like we're on Kickstarter. We're doing whatever. That game needs to go to print in a week. You know, we can't leave that broken thing in. Let's fix that. Let's fix that real quick. And you'll change something. I've done this. I've changed something like in a night and you don't get to do the blind playtesting again. You can't be like, hey, all you people like you got a week to play it again with this slight rule change. You know what I mean? So that's what I like to think happens. If, if I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt and I think they're doing the right thing and not just doing no blind playtesting. That's now, in a wonderful now, world. Now, now, those are games that are kind of messed up. You know, like this rule is missed or they have a typo or like this card's messed up. The games that don't work at all. No friggin' way did somebody read that rule book and say, yup, that's great. Print that. <laughs> so those companies are being lazy. They aren't paying their writer enough. They don't have a writer. They're having some, like, sister of somebody write it for them who's never done a rule book before. They're not showing it to their backers. They're not sending it out to people. Like, there are, you, you know, Derek, the board game community is so generous. Yeah. You'd be like, here's my rule book. You know, like 30 people copy editing it for you and telling you what sucks about it. You know yeah. what I mean? Especially on a Kickstarter. Like if you put the rule book out there, they'll tell you every damn thing. They'll, they'll take hours filling in some spreadsheet you make telling you every typo you have. But people don't do that sometimes. Like clearly, like, oh my God, the, the worst review I've ever done. I don't know if you want. It's the only playthrough where I uh, quit the playthrough halfway through. Not because like of time. I've had a few that I didn't finish because it was already like an hour long video, but I was like, this game sucks. Uh, okay, that's how it plays. I'm done. Uh, human Interface was this Kickstarter. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, And, yeah. like, it's... <laughs> I've heard that the skirmish is okay, and I've heard, like, with Errata, maybe the campaign is, like, playable, but it wasn't even playable when I got it. Like, the co-op mode. It was, it was, it was complete trash. Like, incomprehensible gibberish. Like, <laughs> they were like, do this. It was like, here's what you need to do to win, and that thing didn't exist on the map. It was like, oh, so I can't win this scenario. Like, that, like, <laughs> completely broken stuff. And, like, bad English and poor... And it was the second version of the game, and they got criticism for the first rulebook being terrible. How do you do that? Like, I don't even know what mindset your company is in that you have a, a first Kickstarter where, like, everything is bad, and your backers tell you so and offer to help, and you do a second Kickstarter and the exact same problem persists. Like, that's just ignorance, ego. I don't know what to call that. I can't really forget. I mean, I don't want to can't forgive it everyone's human they probably have things going on in their life but that as a designer who writes rule books it's like give me a break like you can yeah. do better than that you know what i mean yeah and, and and i will understand more like like let's say on a kickstarter design like independent company independent game you're doing your own stuff you're trying to put your product there i understand and that's absolutely i wouldn't get upset right or anything but once again when it's a bigger company like dude like for example idw they, they do comics they do board games I mean, and I listen to, once again, if you haven't listened to, I want to tell you, go to One Stop Cop Shop. They have a very interesting, um, if you're like me for Batman, like Batman with Pete Walsh, which uh, he's the designer from uh, this game, the Ninja Turtles and, and Batman the Animated Series, uh, which is based on the mechanics of Kevin Wilson, I think. Yes, yeah. I hope. Yeah. Correct. yeah. Um, but anyway, you guys did an episode with him, and I was listening to the episode like two weeks or three weeks ago um, when I actually asked you the Batman game, and... I mean, I, I was listening to his story, if I remember correctly, like he wasn't a designer or anything. He just made yeah. the Facebook group 
and then uh, for the Ninja Turtles, and then they offer him to design it. So here, when when I set up the rule book, I don't blame at all. I don't know Pete Walsh. You know, I haven't interacted never with him, but I don't blame him at all because hearing his story is like, hey, he made a game, which one, once again, once I went to Board Game Geek and he's very active there, the game was great, right? But the rule book is awful, and and in my mind is like, okay, how did IDW, right, or Simon Games or whoever like a company like that. How do you let that pass, man? Like, there's no way. There's there's no way. And especially with these Kickstarters, you, they all in our $300, close to $300, and people are getting it and this and that. Like, how? Right? Now, and in, in their defense, in case you, my friends, are hearing me too struggle too much about Ninja Turtles, if, in their defense now, you can download the rulebook for the Batman one on, BG, on uh, their BGG, I think. And that rulebook is way better. So you can just apply the rules to, instead of using, I don't know, like the katanas from the Ninja Turtles, here's the Batarang. So just translate those things and the rules are fixed. And anyway, it works because what they're trying to do with their universal system or something, which is the Ninja Turtles, then is the Batman one. And I think Avatar, the last Airbender, will be the next uh, theme, I believe. I'm probably could be wrong. Uh, but they give some hints the other day about it. And the idea is that you're going to combine all those games and you can play... They're gonna have. They're gonna share the same rules, right? So that can save those particular games. But once again, the idea of all these conversations is like a rule book. Like from a big company, I mean, you know, it's it's for me, it's just unconceivable. I guess if that's a word, uh, like how I I miss, I get it. Like you mentioned, like a typo. Well, not a big deal. Uh, like a word that is, you know, doesn't make any sense. Well, not a big deal. But it's all the mechanics. And like for the you more most of the mechanics for co-op and the rule book is in different like it doesn't have any order and it, it just you know. But anyway, I I hope I can talk to Pete some time at some point because once again, and I want to make it public just in case somebody's hearing out there. Um, I don't blame Pete Walsh at all on no, this. And, and I uh, even beyond the podcast, I uh, I had a talk with Pete. Like he was super cool because I had played Batman, I was like, hey, there are concern- some concerns I have with the scenario design. And he was like, hey, man, you want to get on the call? So, like, I talked to him for, like, an hour and a half. Oh, nice. And he didn't love all my ideas. He didn't love all my suggestions. I don't know if any of them will make it into the game. But the fact that he was like, I want feedback. Like, I appreciate your opinion. I'll take time to talk to you. Like, that, I mean, he's a stand-up guy no matter what I, <laughs> no matter what the rules look like. And, and Batman does look pretty good. Um, I'm very excited yeah. for that Kickstarter, to be honest. Like, I, and we're going to talk about, uh, Kickstarter, are you backing anything right now? Yeah, um, I mean, again, it's things that I've played. So I'm in, I'm in uh, for Rallyman Dirt. Of um, I mean, besides that ongoing, that might be it. Um, now, ooh, ooh, if this is a, a airing in mid-August, um, either this game should be about to launch or should have already launched. I'll have videos for it. Uprising, Curse of the Last Emperor. Oh. Uprising, Curse of the Last Emperor. This is the first that I've ever played. Uh, 4X, like exploration, uh, you know, building an empire, fighting and everything, fully cooperative uh, fantasy game. And it is ridiculously good. Like, highest recommendation for me. Oh, so there um, is another, another all-in there. Yeah, yeah, So So that one I'll be backing when it's out. I backed um, Intrepid that I covered. Uh, I backed... Um, what was it? Cradia Wild Hunt I covered. Like, all, all the ones that I've covered, I, I before I do a Kickstarter, I ask to see the rule book. I ask to see, like, some video of it. So, 
it is very rare that I do a Kickstarter video and I don't like the game. <laughs> you know okay, what I mean? I'm going to mention some games that, I be, that I'm backing right now. Yeah. And you're just going to tell me yes or no. Okay. Simple as that. Sure. If you tell me no, well, too bad. If you tell me yes, I'm happy that I made the right choice. All right? Think about it that most of them went blindly. So this is going to be a cool dynamic. All right. Intrepid. Yes. Okay. Uh, Dead Reckoning. Um, no, because I didn't love Mystic Veil, but um, but I, I want to play it. Like, it's not that I don't want to play it later. I just didn't want to back it. Okay. Overlord, a boss monster adventure. No, I didn't even look into that one. I, I never played boss monster. Man, I don't know I anything about it. it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Nemesis Lockdown. My friend backed it, so I don't need to. Like, one of the guys in my main group, so I can borrow it whenever I want. Yeah, but do you think I did the right call? Oh, um... Yeah, I mean, it looks good. I know Jeremy Howard, my friend from uh, Memphis Meeple, liked it. So, no, I, I think that'll be good. Okay. The other one, Simon, or Kumini or not, comics, volume one, which is, includes the graphic novel of Zombicide Invader, uh, Cthulhu Dead May Die, and the, or the Zombicide 2.0 that is going to come out soon. Um, and basically, they're the graphic novels, and they include you, like, uh, you know, another characters and whatever. So, I guess that's subjective. We can go... I mean, yeah, that, that I didn't back, but I don't even know much about it. <laughs> okay. A War a war of Whispers, Dark Alliances, and Collector's Edition. Nope. Those from the same people from uh, that made Everdell. Oh, um, I like Everdell a lot. I, I don't Isn't love it. Game I, of, I don't, I don't game like... Owns theme game, kind of. Yeah, no, no, I, I remember Jeremy Howard had told me about it a while back. Um, he said it was good. He said it was good. So I, I, I think you made the right call there. But I don't like that company very much, besides Everdell. Ah, there you go. And, and that's because? Um, <laughs> Can we get no, the gossip? Um, uh, the, the, the pers- uh, yeah, I don't love some of the people there. Um, I, somebody who used to work there was amazing, and then they left. And now I don't like it as much. So okay. anyway, we don't need to, talk, we don't need to dwell on that too much. We keep going. <laughs> uh, this is another one that I back blindly. Well... Most of them, but just because of the theme, Adventures in Neverland. Peter. Oh, Pan. I, I, I didn't, I didn't like the look of that one because it looked like uh, co-op was like tacked on. It was really a competitive game. I, I know nothing about the gameplay. The gameplay looked cool. I just didn't think it would be good for co-op. Another one of my favorite games this is an expansion that will have solo mode. Rise of Tribes, Beast and Bronze. Never, never played it. Don't know. You never so, played it. I, I have no idea. Nah. Area control game. Oh man, it's fantastic. I highly recommend yeah, cool. it for you. Uh, right. It's not solo though, but my wife loves it, and that's why we play it together. Uh, it's nice. area control, like I mentioned. But now they release the expansion, which adds more tiles. Whatever, who cares about the tiles? The important thing is that they add a slow mode. Okay, so, well maybe I'll look into it then. This this one you're gonna like it. Final girl. Oh, of course. I mean that that was my top Kickstarter game of the year. So there's no way I wasn't good. Really? Oh, okay. Oh yeah. I'm, I'm glad I backed it. Um, another one that I really enjoy the uh, the previous game. This is a continuation. It's Resident Evil Three. The board. no, um, we talk about the Sadler brothers. Brady loves Resident Evil Two, at least for like playing with his son. So I'm interested in it. Uh, is that Steam Forge that does like it's Dark Souls? Forge, yeah. Yeah. So I, I've had think? a mixed experience with them, but I've heard the Resident Evil series is good. Here's the thing. I have Resident Evil Two. Man. I get, if you remember, the video game from Resident Evil was dark, right? Oh, yeah. We all remember, oh, like, yeah. You're, you're outside the police station, everything is dark, and the car is on fire, then you go into the sure. police station, everything is dark. Man, the tiles that they did for the board game, 
like super dark. You're you're not able to differentiate the areas where you where your uh, uh, miniature uh, is and all where is yeah. everybody's spawning. So it's so dark. So well, now what they did with Resident Evil 3, they apologized and they made the tiles a little bit brighter. Okay. And they, if you were a backer of Resident Evil 2, they will send you new tiles for Resident Evil wow. 2. In that way, you can at least see what's going on, right? <laughs> uh, so I haven't reviewed that game because I'm waiting for those tiles, right? But um, that's another one that I went, of course, all in. Another <laughs> one for, from Simon. We were talking about Simon too much in this podcast. Ankh, Gods of e- Egypt, which is the continuation for... Uh, yeah, uh, that's the uh, sun, kind right. of like uh, what is the other one? The uh, the most famous one that I love. Um, yes. You know the, which one I'm talking the, about? The giant the guys, and they're on the board. Valhalla and and, and Vikings yeah. and stuff. Uh, oh uh, man, come on! It's a, one of the uh, best uh, games from uh, Simon. Uh, Blood Rage. Blood Rage. Blood Rage. Blood Rage. Yeah, yeah. So I'm, I went all in with that one. Frozen Haven by Isaac Chowers. Um no. Um, not because I don't think it's going to be amazing, but because I never finished Gloomhaven, and I'd rather finish Gloomhaven before I... And we have Jaws of the Lion now, so I don't need that much uh, Haven in my life. Have you tried Jaws of the Lion yet? No, uh, Peter is still playing his copy. He's going to let me borrow it soon. Yeah, I, I just bought it recently because it's very hard to find still. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's, like, it's in a stalking target like for three seconds, and then, boom, it's gone. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I, I expect to buy Frosthaven eventually, but no, I didn't, I didn't kickstart it. Well, I just I, I don't know. I just went because I went. I don't have a, a sure. honest. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. Uh, Certainly one to play, you know. Chronicles of Crimes, the Millennium, the Millennium series. Yes. Okay, that's a good one. I uh, my, I, I, I like Chronicles of Crime, and I and I like the new uh, time period like thing. That seems cool. I backed it just because my wife is a huge fan of Chronicles of Crime. I don't enjoy nice. it as much, but she does. Oh, really? <laughs> well, yeah. sh- I won't tell her. <laughs> yeah, no, she she's she's all into like serial killer and. And mystery and all this stuff. So that, that, that sounds a little worrying there, Derek. You might want to watch yourself. I know, I know, but I mean, <laughs> you know, I, I hope it's only on the games. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> Batman again, the animated series, all in. Just I, I went so back and forth on that. I eventually did not do it because I didn't think they were going to fix the objective issues for it, and that was going to bother me too much. But I hope they do, and I'm totally wrong, and I regret it. You know what I mean? Hey, I mean, I I, I saw. I remember seeing your video that that was the main. And I think it's the same, that's the same thing with Ninja Turtles, come back really quick, that you had to, it's cooperative, you had to defeat the enemies, uh, but they don't do too much. I mean, they just right. like, you know, they don't, there's not too I much study. It's streamlined, it's, it's fun. One of the cool things that I have to mention is that I really enjoy games where you're following a story, like a comic story or something. And Ninja Turtle has it, and Batman is gonna has it. Is gonna have it. I'm sorry with the episode because apparently you're playing. Well, you played Oriental Utopia, but I haven't played it. Where apparently you're playing episodes from the animated series and the expansions are the yeah. movies and stuff. So that's cool. Um, yeah, I definitely. also packed Heroes of Tenefear, the second Curse expansion. Yep, I'm 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 in for that. I just played that on Tabletop Simulator the other day. I friggin' that game's great. Like it's so good. Okay, that's good. I'm, I'm happy now. I'm going with. <laughs> Marvel United, the controversy game Marvel Absolutely United. Absolutely not. Not even not even touching it. <laughs> but again, like people have played it that I've talked to and they said it's fine. They said it's it's maybe a little bit lighter than they might have wanted it to be, but it's like totally functional. There's some fun stuff. The miniatures if the miniatures are cool and uh the quality is better than apparently what Dice Tower said it was today, then uh then we'll see how it goes. <laughs> you know what's the worst part? I went with all the expansions, I got the neoprene mat, I got 
Well, now you're fine. Let, let, dude, you, you can sell all that worst case scenario, like we said earlier <laughs> in the episode. I like your attitude. We can sell it. Um, Parks, Expansions, Nightfall, and Memories. No, I haven't played Parks yet, and I met the designer at... Uh, actually, that's one of my like biggest bummers of um, PAX U. I met the designer. He's like, yeah, man, you got to play Parks. And I went over to the table, and they're like, hey, the designer said I should come and uh, get a review copy. And they go, we don't have any more. I'm like, God, forget. <laughs> And then I, I, then I, I never followed had, up. Had an episode with him. Very nice guy, uh, Henry Audubon. Is his name? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. We did an ex- an episode when we uh, play uh, the other name. The, the, it was like it's literally parks, but in a, a space park. It's called. I remember. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and I did an episode about the game, and then an interview with him on the podcast. And um, very nice guy, fantastic guy. You know what? Key Ma- the their company called Key Masters Game, I think. Um, and what Key Master Game has it is like in all their games, the components are beautiful. They are, right. I, I, I can tell easily that it's in my top three companies that they really care about the components. Like those games that you can open it, and even if it's going to be very weird, but even if the game is not good, you still see all the love mm. that the game got by the components, by the tray, by the colors, by the art, everything. So uh, for me now, every time that I see a Key Masters game, game, I just get it. Like, All right, um, well, you, you've got me. I'll, I'll, I'll try to get one. Yeah, <laughs> go buy one. Another solo one by Scott Elms, Warp's Edge. Oh yeah, of course. No, I, I, I did uh, one of the main videos for that one. I love that game. That game is freaking great. Okay, good. Uh, then we're going good. We 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 have like sixty percent. of I mean, it, it, it sounds like I might have helped you to kickstart some of these based on. I know the you, this conversation shouldn't be before. <laughs> <laughs> so. we, we we weren't friends on Facebook at that point, so that, now you can ask me if I. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so now we're gonna go with Deep Space D Six Armada. I don't know if you remember that one. I, 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 fell, I fell out of uh, enjoyment with Deep Space D6, the basic one. I do think our model looks better, so I might get that down the line, but I didn't back it. Vengeance, Director's Cut. No, I did, a, I did a video when that was on Kickstarter, and I decided that the game is tons of fun, and I don't like it solo. So your results may vary for that one, hopefully. Well, we'll see. We'll see. I will tell you. Um, and I'm also waiting for, because I'm going through my, my app and some of them, I already received them like Everdale, the expansions, I already received them, uh, Windward actually, which they're the same designers of the Island of El Dorado, but this is not a rolling ride. This is more like an area control with, uh, the minis look very cool. They're like ships flying around and whatever. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, I never heard of it, but that's cool. The other one is Shovel Knight, Dungeons, Duels. Remember the Shovel Knight, the game, the video game? Yes. Have you tried? Wait, the uh, is this like the competitive one where like you're moving like left to right on the board? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. it's by the same people that did um, that did Wander that I remember. No, I um, I I've never really. I think the only Ryan Lockett game I've played the uh, what's the island one? Is that near and far? Near no. Uh, there's near and far above and below. Um, there's Megaland, which it was like a very simple game. Uh, on boats, yeah. So, the, so that was fine. Like, I, I think the art was gorgeous, and I found the game just okay. So, I, I haven't really tried out any of his other stuff yet. And the last two, it's uh, Etherfields, the board game by uh, the same people that made Tintin Grail. Uh, yeah, Awakened Realms. Um, no, I didn't do that one. 
Um, yeah, Awakened Realms has been hit and miss for me. Um, so I'm, I'm always wait and see for their games. Um, I can never trust that I'll like it or not. And the last one, uh, the Bloodborne, the Bo Bloodborne, the board game by once again, cool mini or not, Simon Games. Like hoping it's bad because I didn't back and I'm gonna really regret it. It's kind of like uh, Death May Die, Cathedral Death May Die. Like that was such a good game and like it, you know, Simon is sometimes good and sometimes bad. But I don't like the way they do Kickstarters, so I try not to back them if I can. But I love the Bloodborne video game, so if that's awesome, I'm going to be kicking myself. Well, Wait, so, Derek, did you not back uh, Oathsworn? Which one? Oathsworn, is that too far back? Yeah, no, I, I don't have it on my list. At, oh some my point, God, I, 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 at some point, I'm receiving steel Kickstarter that I'm like, I don't remember backing this. But <laughs> So, if I did... Yeah, Oathsworn is one of my... Yeah, yeah, that's one of my most... Uh, ones I'm most excited for. Uh, yeah, I backed... I don't know. I think I think you probably hit all the ones that I did back though, pretty much. Like yeah. I, I'm backing a lot of ones you're backing. I'm just not backing all the ones you're backing. Yeah, but you you do it the smart way because you do your research. I just go blind. I mean, whatever, man. Just have fun. <laughs> hey, <laughs> we 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 reach into the to the end. Uh, unfortunately, this is the first round with Michael Kelly. So, guys, I know you enjoy this episode as much as I do, and we're gonna have many, many, many future rounds with him. The rounds like a fighting round, right? Where we're gonna <laughs> talk about more. Um, board game subjects and more kickstarters and things that we don't like things that we like and all that sort of stuff we're going to talk about great subjects like uh, in future episodes like what to do what not to do in a board game night uh, what about when people sleep games like should we sleep all our games or not oh, God. it's a waste of money uh, what about when uh, what do you offer on a board game night um, you know for snacks which kind of snacks do you offer because <laughs> sometimes when you're playing with people that they are not considerate you know they will they won't care and they will eat their nachos and cheese on top of your board on your neoprene oh, board so that, 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 that's when you got to murder somebody and just hide them in the basement dude exactly so so we're gonna have <laughs> talk about many many future subjects and future episodes but meanwhile talking about things that we like and we don't like i want i want you to tell me it's gonna be hard if i throw you that cliche uh uh question which is like tell me you top five favorite games ever i'm not gonna do that because that's first of all i think it's a very hard question i don't have an answer for that either but just tell me your top five games that you will take tomorrow first thing in the morning to an island that you will spend three months by yourself Ooh, okay Yeah, I won't say it's like my perfect list. I'll just do the ones that first come yeah, to mind. Yeah, like, it's like, hey, I got your plane tomorrow, Mike. Yeah, you're yeah. at 7 a.m. You only have time to pack five games. Doesn't matter if they're big or small box. Doesn't matter. You can bring five games because you're going to be there for three months, and you're, gonna, you're not going to see anybody. That sounds really nice, dude. As long as my kids are taken care of, I love that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, some of these will be my top games. I'll go with uh, Arkham Horror LCG. is my number one game of all time, uh, at least currently. Um, Spirit Island is usually my number two game, and I think that has tons of replay value, even out of the base box, and it's on an island, so the theme will fit. I can, like, you know, do that kind of thing. Uh, but the other three are tougher. Let's go with uh, with the Solo Bots. Really like that one. Let's go with... You know, what the heck? I'm playing a lot right now. Let's go with Rallyman GT. I think me Rally being able to Man build GT my own tracks endlessly, like, 
<laughs> I mean, why not? You know, why not? It's, it's not like it's a top five game for me, but it's it's fun right now. And then uh, my fifth friend, one. My friend Caleb will die right now. Like, like, <laughs> like he was the one of the, the groups too. Like he's with me and he didn't enjoy as much rally manager too. So he will be like, what? But I mean, he's, he's he's probably a terrible racer. So Caleb, why don't you learn to drive better? <laughs> They'll do the game for. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? But uh, it's okay. So rally manager. Yeah, and then uh, fifth, uh, I don't know, let's throw a word. Oh, I know, um, uh, Pendragon is my current uh, favorite coin game, and coin games are so, like, involved and complicated, like, it'll just take me, like, a, you know, a month of being able to remember the rules, so that'll, that'll pass the time well. <laughs> okay, and are we missing one? Okay, once again, no, it's, it's Arkham Horror, it's Spirit Island, Rallyman GT. Oh, you're right, you're right. Pendragon, and, oh, Root, Root was the fifth one. Rude one, rude one, okay. You know what? I haven't tried Rude. I, I really want to try that game. Uh, I heard mixed reviews all the time um, that some people for, they, for the solo specifically, or just for the game in general. Just the game in general, like some. Oh people, well, no, nah, that that they're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> then that's what like, I like. Like to see. the so, the solo has its kinks, um, and the way they implemented it for like the official version, like mess with things some. Um, but no, that game is like. Not everyone's gonna love it. No one, not everyone's gonna love every game, but it, it deserves its high rating, its high like ranking on BGG. Like that game is amazing. Well, if you say so, then I'm gonna, Cold World is awesome. I'm gonna add it to my cart right now, and I'm just gonna buy it. I mean, <laughs> I've been on well, the yeah. fence with that one, to be honest. I mean, but... uh, well, well, here's the thing though. It's it's the kind of game. Like if your group is getting mad at you while playing TMT, TMMT, and if your group is getting mad at you playing Rally Man. Root might not go over well because it's so asymmetric and you're going to have to like teach each of them their role and it's going to like bomb at game night. You're going to hit yourself. So, you know, maybe uh, <laughs> watch some more gameplay videos. Like I, I have a video of the, uh, the solo uh, co-op play on uh, One Top Co-op Shop. Uh, watch some more and like see what you think because um, it, it, it can go over poorly with some gamers, you know, okay. especially based on how you teach it. I would say the worst way to do it is to bring it to like a like try to play with four people all at once and teach them all at the same time and teach them all their different crap at the same time. If you can play with like two or three at a time, like you and one other person or you and two other people and slow then it goes pretty smoothly. Okay. So basically just try to be easy on the on the learning part of and the teaching. So part much. So much. Teaching. And that way we work out. You know which game is this gonna the, 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 from the ones that you mentioned? Which game I have only played once though, and it wasn't solo. It was cooperative. But for me, it was like, eh, you know. And I know a lot of solo gamers will, you know, flip their tables right now. But um, Spirit Island. Oh, yeah, no, that's fine. I mean, I'd be curious how it was taught to you because. I've had bad experiences with the game, but um, in the long run, I've you know it's uh, pl probably played it thirty plus times, most of those solo, and yeah, like that's one of my top ones. Um, so yeah, you, you should play with me again sometime before you uh, okay. decide if you don't like it at all. <laughs> next, next Gen Con or next uh, travel to around DC, I will let you know, and that way we can try okay. it. The there components too is another down for me. I, I really, I'm a very visual person. So I really enjoy when games have nice components. And I get Spirit Island was released a few years ago and whatever. But still, the, I mean, the components is what probably threw me off as well. I didn't enjoy too much the mat or the board. So okay. I don't know. I hope they come out with a second edition or something in the way. 
more appealing to you know to the eye and more um you know cooling in a minis or something come on man like give me give me some <laughs> You know, do it that. Do it the same. They got the dumb little like plastic uh, explorers, but they're they're not too exciting. I'll definitely give you that. <laughs> do it the Simon way with two hundred miniatures as a. <laughs> sure. Anyway, um, so it's been great, Mike. I, I haven't been having a blast. We talk about a lot of things over this episode. Once again, it's round one, and for all of you amazing listeners, I know that you know one stop cop shop, but just in the very weird situation that you don't know one-stop co-op shop, please, please, please do yourself a big favor and go right now after the episode is done to YouTube if you're able to watch something. If you're driving or if you're running or you're jogging or whatever, then just stop for a little bit, take a deep breath, and look for the one-stop co-op shop podcast on, I think you can find it on Apple and iTunes. You can find it, I think, in, I, I don't remember correctly, in Spotify. And I, most of the I know we're on like Sad Cloud, Stitcher, I don't know. We're on Everyone. a lot of things. <laughs> Everyone. Now, before we go, who is your favorite reviewer out there? Oof. Jeez, you hit me with that. Uh, crap. Um, I guess uh, oh, I got, you're, pick, you. you're making me pick between my friends, man. Uh, Liz Davidson, I give it to you the most. Liz Davidson, she, she's put me on to so many war games. Like, she reignited my war game passion. So, I'll give it to Liz, but... Uh, Derek, you, Jason, uh, Will over at Hungry Gamer, Berndt, uh, Jeremy Howard. Like, I got a lot of favorites, but yeah, uh, I'll give it to Liz this time. Yeah, Liz, I really, I, I, like I said, I haven't met her either, but I really enjoy her videos, full of energy, and also um, Jambalaya, Jeremy Howard. I really yes. enjoy his playthroughs with Man vs. Maple uh, that yeah, he great. does on Sundays. Uh, anyway, Mike, all the best, my friend. Thanks for being here in Solo BG Podcast. Before we go, um, where the people can follow you? Twitter, Facebook, oh, Yeah, Instagram. so, so um, I mean, I'm Michael Kelly on Facebook. Um, I'm in the, like, the Solo Facebook group and the Wargame Facebook group and a few other ones. We have the One Stop Co-op Shop on Facebook. But, yeah, you can email me, One Stop Co-op Shop at Gmail. Um, message me on YouTube. And then uh, the big thing is, if you go to any of our videos, any of our podcast episodes... We have a Discord channel and a Slack channel, so you can join either of those. We have links that just get you straight through. You don't have to, like, ask permission. So we have great communities over there. So that's where I am the most. Like, I am on Facebook and stuff, um, but our own communities are where I'm kind of most active. And I'm I'm over there, like, mentoring, uh, budding designers, playing their games, like, just hanging out with them. So it's, it's a good uh, good place to be. Also, that's great. And also remember that uh, you can do another big perk if you already like One Stop Co-op Shop. You can uh, help them with your with your uh, cool, uh, you know, donation on Patreon. On Patreon, I'm sorry, I hope I pronounced it correctly. Uh, Patreon. Oh my gosh, Derek, and, you don't have to you don't have to sell our Patreon on your podcast. You're fine, no, dude. <laughs> but I mean, uh, you know, actually, I have a, a few friends and and that they you know like to support. Um, and why not? I feel like amazing projects like One Stop Co-op Shop and many, many other projects that are out there, they deserve because that's what also helps at the end of the day to keep better content, uh, better quality, and believe it or not, it motivates. It motivates to see, you know, the numbers going up, not only on the economic aspect. I mean, of course, uh, you know, in my case, the listeners, I go and see how many people listen to an episode. Where did they listen to? And then when I found that in, in China, in Thailand, and I'm like, wow. 
you know, weird places that, you know, that I don't even know their names in <laughs> North Africa, South Africa. And I'm like, that's, that's very motivating. So thank you to all of you amazing listeners. And once again, uh, you guys have a, a Patreon, right? Going on right yeah. now? Yeah, so it's uh, patreon.com slash one stop, I think. Okay, there you go. Yeah, and you that can, uh, yeah, you get uh, early access to our videos. You get to vote on which games we cover. Um, if you if you pledge enough money, we play with you on Tabletop Simulator once a month. So, <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> yeah, nice. Yeah, you, you can do whatever goofy thing you want to do over there. Uh, we so certainly there appreciate go. it. Yeah, that's amazing. So there you go. You you don't have an excuse. You need to go over there to Patreon and and get your perk, the one that uh, suits you the better, and that way you can get the amazing benefits from One Stop Cop Shop. Mike, now right now, this is the last time I promise. Thank <laughs> you so much for being on the show. Uh, any last words to our amazing listeners over there? Yeah, man, just uh, play games, have fun, don't, don't be stressed out, and uh, yeah, hopefully uh, hopefully the, the several weeks in the future look a lot better than right now, uh, especially for you, Derek, and your job in the hospital and everything, uh, and hopefully hopefully vaccines uh, development is moving apace, and we keep getting games and keep on staying healthy, you know? Yeah, hopefully by the time that we hear these, vaccines will be already there. So I'm <laughs> it seems unlikely, but if it happens, hey, man, I'm there. <laughs> yeah, I know. Remember that you can follow us in our social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at SoloBG Podcast. And like always, remember... For victory, go tell your friends. Till next time, see you through the speaker and at the tabletop.